Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. For a free 30-day trial, all you gotta do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage. In my mind. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show the movie podcast from filmstage.com as always i am your host brian jerome with me today we have robin Barr. hola welcome uh we also have bill graham Woo! and with us today to help us talk about a fire the newest film from writer director christian petzel it's scout tafoya how's it going y'all it's going great. How have you been? Uh, in the last four years, I've been doing okay. <laughs> um, yeah, you want to you want to just catch us up on everything? Holy Christ! Yeah, well, I got a book published on Toby Hooper. I got a book published on John Ford. Um, I'm I've had it up to here with criticism. Uh, Who hasn't? I've, Moved to the Boston area. I'm now part of the Boston Society of Film Critics. We'll see how long that lasts. With, of course, one of our co-hosts. Um, why do you say that? What do you mean? How, why do you say we'll see how long that lasts? Uh, by virtue of me constantly being um, laid off by criticism websites and ah. my own frustration, um, I don't know if I'll continue to churn out the kind of content that keeps me, you know, a member in good standing. Um, mm. Also, you know, I occasionally log onto websites and um, say very incendiary things, and you just never know how that's going to look to people. Um, also, you got a there lot was, of op- opinions about the Welsh, and you're not afraid to say them. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, no, I thought for sure that there'd be, I mean, I don't want to open the whole thing up, but it seemed like last year that there was, you know, that I was part of a losing battle uh, <laughs> of, of, our, of our group with regards to giving one particular movie an award, and I, and I felt like I didn't make many friends that day. Um, but anyway. Uh, but didn't it work out? I mean, it did work out. I don't know that everybody admits that it what worked the, out. Oh, I think it worked out. Can we out? use, like, proper nouns? I'm, no, I'm curious now no, to know what the hell's no. going on. Sorry, I wish I could. I speak um, for all of our listeners. It worked out, let's just say. It ended in a beautiful couple it of Instagram posts. perfectly. That yeah. I really enjoyed, and I thought that it went really well. But you never, you just never know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm actually, so speaking of members, in our, uh, members of our group here, me and um, Gerald Perry are about to be at the... John and Francis Ford Film Festival in Portland, Maine next weekend, which is very oh, cool. Exciting. I love Jerry. Jerry's amazing. We love Jerry. Um, he's he's a he's a, a lovable old fella, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm we're we gonna be on here. Have you? Oh, that's right. You have. That's right. Um, and we're yeah, we're gonna be on some panels talking about some John Ford movies. They're showing Seven Women. Um, it's I I couldn't be more excited to be there, man. I just love Portland too. Portland's a great town. Wow. Are they showing uh, the Spielberg movie too? Uh, no, no, they're showing just John and Francis Ford movies. Um, a couple of Francis Ford restos, which I'm very excited to take in. Um, and, uh, they're showing, I mean, Seven Women is to me the get, but I believe they're also showing Wagon Master and My Darling Clementine, which are, I mean, that's three stone cold masterpieces right there. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if this podcast will make it out in time, but everybody hearing this, you should have been in Portland the weekend of the 18th. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's I mean, those are the big the big life developments for for Bill and Brian there. Um, yeah, and, that's quite uh, a lot. 
Yeah, and I'm in the middle of a, uh, actually speaking of Spielberg, I'm in the middle of a, a Spielberg video essay series on my Patreon, which will slowly make its way to the public. We're just talking about specifically the way he uses the camera and, and you know, occasionally getting into the more, you know, heady stuff, the politics and, you know, psychoanalysis and all that. But mostly me and my dear friend Tucker Johnson were just inspired by uh, Spielberg's choreography with the camera so we did dedicated months of our lives to uh to to calling that out and we had a great time um we're, we're nearing the end of the series now um but uh yeah so there you go well that's cool awesome. and I, yeah you, I, I think you said four years but according to my googling um you were last with us for days of heaven yes um, i was which that was, was when september 4th 2020 so that's right almost. it was still pandemic that's right yeah, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was further back, but I do remember now the lighting in the room in which I recorded this podcast because that's how my brain works. <laughs> so um, you were also on for Tuki Buki. That I was, was years ago. Years ago, eighteen. So that yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, three time guest. How many other people? I'm kidding. A lot, I'm sure. But you uh, know, that's a great question. We don't We've had Heather on three times. Heather All Schwedell. desert movies. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, Ingu <laughs> is now on three, right? Yeah, pretty good. She's as, she's smart as a whip. Yeah, and um, she's my best friend. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who else is on. I feel like we don't double up that much. Our bookers are very ambitious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do like to get a, a diverse array. You should. You could, you know, you could still use I, some I of like, the same people. I, I, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I do, I do. using me three times is a borderline case. I don't feel like you had to do that. You know, you could have found somebody more interesting. But, yeah, I'm happy to be here all the same. If we could have found someone who lived through a wildfire, we would have. But, you know, it's difficult. Mm. You don't know any mm. Canadians? Oh, that's a or, good. Californians. <laughs> or Californians. Californians. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, Get Willow. Florida. Get Willow on here. Willow suffered through a lot of the fires. Um but Look, anyway, you know, here in D.C., we had those weird smoky days. So I, I feel like I, I I'm so sorry, man. Are you OK? You doing all right? You need anything? Look, I'm not <laughs> uh, elderly or immunocompromised, so I'm fine. Yet. <laughs> Yet. But there was one of those things where it was like I looked outside and my daughter wanted to go on a walk with our dogs. And I was like, so uh, according to what I'm reading here, you're too young to be outside right now. <laughs> God. So, yeah, I was a. Even though the smoke was keeping the temperature down, no, we should stay inside. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy day. Um, anyway, uh, I brought up fires because we're talking about a fire. Um, a fire. Not a non-specific fire. We were talking about the movie, A Fire, one word. Um, does anyone know why it's called A Fire and not like Red Sky, which was the, apparently the name in, in German? Uh, because a fire is more poetic in English. Hey. All right. Um, I'll take that. I can accept that. Um, and yeah, we're going to do that. Just as soon as we talk about a couple other things. Uh, we are located on the interwebs. Uh, Twitter.com slash show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Email us, podcast.filmstage.com. And of course, uh, give us a comment rating on uh, iTunes or wherever you catch your podcasts. Don't forget to also go to patreon.com slash the film stage show so that you can talk to us in our Slack channel. Uh, just give us $1 an episode and we are yours on a very personal one-on-one level. Uh, full access. You can talk to us about anything you like, whether it be food or music or books or um, 
Yeah, it's mostly that. <laughs> it's mostly that that we talk about in there. Um, so check that out. We're also brought to you by Mubi, M-U-B-I dot com. This is a fantastic site. Uh, Mubi is a service that streams you some excellent film from all over the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected so you can explore the best of cinema Streaming anytime, anywhere. Um, they have an Adele Exertropolis uh, collection going on. Um, oh, I love her. Yes, she's quite wonderful. Um, including Sybil from 2019. Mixing comedy and suspense. Virginie Efra is a cunning architect of chaos in Justine Triette's Sybil. Also starring Gaspard Ulil and Adele Exertropolis. Psychoanalysis and Cinema Merge. In a thrillingly erotic and perilous game that blurs fiction and reality, dizzyingly escaping any classification. Um, also, if uh, for some reason you like Quentin Depew, they've also got an exclusive on Incredible But True, uh, which they call uh, side splitting. So you can go check that out. Quentin Depew. Uh, he's he's gotten better. <laughs> I will take your word for it. Um, I don't think Deer I'll skin. ever... Wait, what Deerskin's a riot. Deerskin. Oh. Deerskin's a riot. All right. You know what? Because I respect you so much, I will check out Deerskin, maybe. Um, I mean, as long as you're willing to admit it. That's all I wanted to hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's why you did it. You were just trying to capture me. Damn. I needed to capture you in saying that you respect me so much. That's right. Ah, <laughs> uh, masterfully done. This is, of course, why I respect you so much. Anyway, if you would like to uh, check out those movies or any of the other fantastic movies that are streaming on Mubi for free for 30 days, all you have to do is go to Mubi.com slash Filmstage. Again, that is M-U-B-I dot com slash Filmstage. So go check that out. Um, anything else to discuss before we get into our review of A Fire? I watched City Slickers this weekend. What a delightful film. Yeah, you. what was your... What was your uh, your letterbox thing that you posted on Instagram? I feel like I'm not allowed to say it. Oh, uh, the pitch meeting was "What if Jews out west?" Yes, there you go. Yeah, basically. you'd be sh- you'd be shocked how often that pitch has been used. <laughs> <laughs> years and years ago, Peter Travers interviewed the Cohen brothers when True Grit was new, and it wound up on a I don't know, like an Apple Movies podcast or something like that. And that was essentially the question he asked them for a solid half an hour is like, so what did Jews know about horses? <laughs> like, uh, you got any other questions, my guy? <laughs> I mean, it is, it's an interesting question because the Coen brothers, I mean, you could argue that much of their work are Westerns or like postmodern Westerns. Yeah, I mean, so they're very much in the Walter Hill vein in that way where, but the thing is, you know, that's ultimately puts the light of the idea of the question in the first place, which is to say that, Really, all you need is a penchant for reading, and they've got that in spades, as should be evidenced by the fact that all of their movies have an analog to some piece of either classical literature or incredibly, you know, uh, well-researched nonfiction. And uh, Peter Travers is a charlatan. He should be ashamed of himself. I mean, it's the the idea of the pitch is actually like not as dichotomous as people think, because it's not as though like Jewish people haven't lived in the West for no, it's you true. Know, 200 I mean, years. It's just, it, but I think what, what uh, makes Slitty Slickers interesting is because it is such a very, I don't know, typical or stereotypical, like 
New York Yiddish kite type of stereotype, which is, you know, stereotypes exist for a reason. Trust me. Uh, but, but you know, it, so I, I I enjoyed it. I guess I'm curious. Would it be funnier if like the city slickers of the title were like, I don't know, like Brooklyn Goomba types or. I think it could still work. Right. I mean, because Nick and I were saying like, oh, they should reboot this. And, you know, I don't know, just it didn't have to be like a Billy Crystal type. It could be any anybody who represents like a more urban or even like urbane background. It could be Edward um, Burns. Sure. Does anybody <laughs> no, see Edward no, Burns? Movie? No, it couldn't. It couldn't be Edward Burns. I'm going to talk you out of that right now. Well, let me, uh, Robin, did you ever see the Frisco Kid, Robert Aldrich's The Frisco Kid? I don't think so, no. That's one of the like few Westerns to sort of very actively and aggressively um, uh, try to dissect Jewish identity as it relates to the West. Gene Wilder plays. Uh, 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 you know, a a Jewish cowboy, and like literally goes out. You know, it's it's entirely about the bizarreness of the experience of the, you know, late nineteenth century Jew in the American West. Um, and it's you know, it's it's fairly soft pedaled. It's basically a family comedy in its way. Um, I've but heard of this? I'm gonna watch it. I'm putting it on my list right now. It's it's fascinating. I don't know that it like entirely hangs together, but as a text, it's it's fascinating. It's a it's a very rewarding movie uh, f- from just about every angle, except you know sitting through it, I guess. But mm-hmm. that to me was the 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 sort of direct precursor to something like City Slickers. But like Frisco Kid, I think was fairly popular when it came out. But maybe I'm misremembering that. But anyway, you know there there are these movies that that have that angle of 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 the European emigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, in the American West, something like Terror in a Texas Town, which despite being very pulpy, is also very honest. Um, and I, I, I think my 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 problem ultimately with City Slickers is that it's Billy Crystal. <laughs> like, if it oh, was- I love Billy Crystal. Okay, See, well, I guess you, you really have to have the flavor for him. Yeah, for yeah. Work. I guess and that's I do. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, no, Billy Crystal. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the sort of like Hollywoodness of him that I've never fully like bought him as he's, an emotional he's a performer. Slick. You know, he's he's a little bit unctuous yeah, and you're right. And I find that appealing or charming. You know, there's something very relatable about Billy Crystal for me because maybe what I was exposed to growing up or what have you. But yeah, his his style really works for me. We were laughing out loud, my husband and I. So yeah, City Slickers. Well right. you and Billy Crystal have also both hosted the Golden Globes a couple of times. Um, so you've got that in common. <laughs> the Oscars. Not the Oscars though. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I grabbed the one that seemed more tacky for the joke. I apologize. I was gonna say oh, I can't even remember what I was gonna say now. It was a joke. It was something something about hey. oh yeah, just like Excellent. The, the new poll quote is gonna be like gonna say, this know, is great laugh everything. out loud funny, says Robin Barr. But also Jews out West, I was gonna say <laughs> is um well, it's my favorite Duran Duran song. Yeah. You should write a book called Jews Out West. I would read it. <laughs> Two minutes later. I was about to say, please tell me you weren't talking to me. I don't think anyone wants me to write a book called Jews Out West. No, I was talking about Scout. <laughs> yeah, no, I would read that from Scout. That'd be great. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll ask my friend Ben Sachs to write it. He's he's much. His parents apparently loved uh, um, Frisco Kid when that came out. So he, he's the guy to do it. He's also actually Jewish. Um, so that uh, that'll be good. Nice. I'll All read right. it. Well, if you want to see some Jews out West, uh, Robin Barr calls City Slickers <laughs> laugh out loud funny. <laughs> did I? <laughs> yeah, you said you and your husband laughed out loud. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. We did. 
<laughs> I extrapolated. It's too fucking late to backpedal now. We all know. <laughs> well, I didn't. You know, I didn't. I write may have that. said I laughed out loud. I didn't say it was laugh out loud funny though. Like what? What mm-hmm. are you trying to do here, Robin? Well, it's like mm-hmm. when you talk to your friends and you call every action movie you see a high octane thriller out loud, and they're all it like, "That's very smart." On the edge of my edge seat. of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> a rollicking. Good time at the movies. Oh my god, rip snorting! Isn't that another one? That's another one. That's I don't another know. one. That one doesn't. That one doesn't get pull quoted as much. But yeah, rollicking and high octane, and I laughed out loud and swashbuckling. Swashbuckling is good. You've whew, you've buckled your last swash. I'll tell you that a nail biter. Um. Anyway, we could keep talking about cliched ways to say a movie is good, or we could keep talking about <laughs> Joel Siegel all day. Or we could talk about A Fire, the movie we are ostensibly here to talk about. Sure. Um, the newest film from writer-director Christian Petzold, who we've fear- previously featured on this podcast for uh, Phoenix, Transit, and Undina. Um, mm. Yeah, that's, that's Robin, you are correct with the noise. Undine did exist. <laughs> yes. Um, I true. remember I had a conversation the other day with Jordan Raup, and I was like, you got to level with me, man. Is a fire more transit or is it more Undina? And he's like, he said something that was basically like, it's okay, he's back. Like, mm. I was like, oh, great. Um, so anyway, let's talk about a fire. Uh, again, Christian Petzold. Uh, this movie, uh, according to IMDb, a group of friends in a holiday home by the Baltic Sea where emotions run high as the parched forest around them catches fire. This is not a complete sentence. It's a, it, this is, this is like a statement of the cast, a group of friends in a holiday home by the Baltic Sea where emotions run high as a parched forest catches fire. You know what? I don't know who's writing these things for IMDb. It <sighs> is user generated content. I was going to say robot. So You know what's funny is that AI is going to make us miss user-generated content. Do you realize that? <laughs> yeah. I don't, guess, I don't think that's true, but I see what you're saying. I appreciate your sense of, I don't know, what's the, what's the opposite of pessimism? Optimism. Optimism. <laughs> Shut your mouth. I don't even, I don't he think this counts. He is a counts. writer, friends. This is a zing. I don't Look, even think it counts as optimism. I think that my thing is also <laughs> pessimistic. Oh, okay. That's probably true. Um, Robin, when I'm writing, right, there's no one around. I can stop for three seconds to think of the word I'm looking for. This is radio, baby. I got to keep talking no matter what. I got to keep the flow. Speaking of keeping the flow, here is a little bit of the trailer for A Fire. Beautiful. Toll. Hallo? Sag doch mal. Ja, wir werden nicht allein sein. Ich brauche meine Ruhe, meinen eigenen Platz zum Arbeiten. Ist die Nichte einer Arbeitskollegin meiner Mutter. All right. I hope everyone was able to fully take in everything that was just said. Uh, so we don't have to explain any more about the plot. For, for sure. Absolutely. I have. I, it is nice, at least, that I was able to find a trailer where they actually had the characters talking. Usually... My favorite thing about the show is when I play a trailer for a foreign film and it's just like drums and music and like a car door slamming. And then I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. great. And we're back. 
we've been we've been importing European movies as a matter of habit for something like seventy years, and still people are like, they're speaking what language? No, we're not. Yeah, saying that. look, it's going to be hard enough to get these people to watch a whole movie in uh, subtitles. We don't want to scare them off with the trailer. Mm-hmm. Like maybe if we don't have any subtitles in the trailer, no. One As if know. goddamn fucking Parasite didn't win every goddamn Oscar in the land two years ago <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh man. Anyway, uh, yeah. So this is a movie about two friends, Leon and Felix. They are going to spend some time at uh, Felix's mother's house by the Baltic Sea. But oh my god, there's a woman who's already there. It's Nadja. She is like the cousin of someone who works with the mother, and the mother has no. Also... She's the niece of oh, the sorry, of the... the mother's coworker. Yes, the niece of the mother's coworker who has also been granted use of the house. What? What a crazy setup! How will these perfect strangers ever learn to get along? Or will they? Or will something else happen? I don't know. Let's talk about it. This is a fire. We're here uh, with Scout Tafoya. So, Scout, would you like to begin? By telling us your overall spoiler-free thoughts on a fire, uh, I really, really was taken with it. Um, I have a spotty record with Pets Old, um, which I think is true of a lot of critics in this day and age. I think it's something about his specificity without him being a super precise formalist that brings that out in people responding to his movies. Um, I got about 45 minutes in and was having much the same reaction to it that I had to Undina and to the lion's share of transit. Um, and then, uh, and then the sort of end game presented itself and I, and I found myself warming up to it. And in the end, uh, walked away thinking it was one of his strongest efforts. Um, and I think certainly as a piece of autobiography, it probably is his strongest effort. Um, it's, a fairly complete overview of of what he does and why he does it, um, which I was not expecting. Um, you know, the, the comparisons that have sort of made their way to the mainstream press have a lot to do with Romare and Laurent Ver, um, and uh, you know his 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 other seaside fables. Um, and it does seem in danger of being deliberately too thin to support the runtime, and then suddenly it becomes a to me anyway a very very deliberate um and occasionally profound work about actually taking stock of who you are as an artist and what you miss when you're too busy presenting yourself as one i think petzold has sort of run out of road in his normal methodology and so it was ultimately in hindsight a a a good reset to to start from scratch and find new ways to make his points um, I was talking actually to uh, Jake Mulligan about two hours ago about Christian Petzold and you know his thing was that a lot of the work is done for you before you've even sat down to watch his movies um, which turned him off and I think turns a lot of people off of Petzold's um, MO and uh, in general I agree except of course when the movies work for me <laughs> in which case who cares um, but you know so the, the fact that he remade uh, Carnival of Souls and The Postman Always Rings Twice and Vertigo and all that, it should be too academic for me to care about, but I think that he finds an emotional through line that actually makes those very big swings work um, in a way that I was not expecting. Um, I don't think that Petzold is always as astute as I know he is in his personal life. There's a great short 
that you can look up, I believe, on YouTube or Vimeo, which is him and the great German critic and filmmaker Christoph Hockhausler looking over stills of Hitchcock's The Wrong Man and talking about Hitchcock's methodology and the way that, that works and, and sort of getting a sense of the two of their filmmaking sensibilities from the things that they've adduced from Hitchcock over the years. Um, and and that, to me, was a very good and important window into Petzl before walking into this newest exercise, because it can be very difficult to separate yourself from what you think you're doing versus what you are doing, what you're capable of doing, what you wish you were capable of doing. Um, so in general, I had nothing but positive things to say about this. And I was really prepared to sort of um, brush it off. But he won me over. I was I was very, very um, pleasantly surprised. All right. Excellent. Rob and Barr. Well, um, you know, I did found this to be a much more pleasant viewing experience than Undina. Um, I really struggled through that one. I found it just miserably tedious. Uh, and so I appreciated that this told an interesting story. I mean, it just, that that's how I would distill it. It's like, here are here are characters that exist <laughs> like that's just didn't that's not at all how i felt about Induna, which felt like <clears throat> way too didactic for me but what i did like about this was you know it's a, it's an enjoyable character study um i found the character of leon to be you know a sort of hmm you know a, a sort of classic miserable prick um and you know watching him go through life and and i think he's played really well by thomas schubert um who who breathes a lot of the life into a role that could have been really stale um because we we've seen this stock character before and he i think schubert has enough uh sort of warmth or soulfulness that it, that he made it work what i what i found sort of less than satisfying were, was the progression of the, I don't know if you call it romance relationship, the budding friendship between him and, and uh, between Leon and, and Nadja and Paula Beer, who I think of as sort of a, you know, not Rachel McAdams. Like she has a, <laughs> a charm to her. I did find it difficult to see what charm she found in Leon and so much of the sort of positivity of, of their connection just didn't ring true to me. I just kept thinking, like, why is she giving this guy the time of day? Why is she so sunny? Like, I get that he, you know, has he has an attraction to her. He falls for her. He's very interested in her. But I was much less interested in that connection between them than just, you know, as, as Scout, you were saying, like, the the development of his sense of self as a writer or as an artist, it did, you know, in a weird way, even though it's like tonally completely different, it reminded me a lot of you hurt my feelings um, hmm. because hmm. that's also a very small, slight movie about what it means to be an artist, what it means to be a writer. And, in, and I think they both, it sounds bad, but I think they both fail in that sense because I, I never, really understood either protagonist as an artist um you know it's not really I, and again i think scout you sort of touched on this but it's not really about a movie about writing it's much more about um how we develop our identities as creators right. 
And, and so that, that worked much better for me, but you know, it's not, I still just, maybe it's because in a lot of these types of movies, you don't really get enough sampling of the creation to really agree or disagree about what kind of artist the character is. So, you know, they keep going on and on about his, his second book and how it's probably a piece of shit, you know, this, this book's club sandwich. And I think the way that it eventually ends is just a little too wink, wink, uh, a little too neat for me not to be, you know, uh, Michael Snydell. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no offense, Michael, but it was a little too neat to me. And just, it, it seemed like not manic pixie dream girl per se, but like maybe ultra sunny, brilliant girl. Like it just didn't make sense as like a, it only made sense as a character study for Leon and nobody else. And we'll get, and and we'll get into spoilers for some of the other characters as well. All right. Bill Graham. Hmm. Um, I really enjoyed this. I think I think this issue, the issue that this film has that films of this ilk have is that the protagonist is an asshole. And I think you're always fighting an uphill battle when you put the audience on the back foot in that way. And I think it is the supporting cast and characters and particularly the actors um, and even the setting as well that really succeeds here and keeps you interested and keeps you from just wanting to stop and walk away, um, walk out of the theater, pause the screener and just say no, um, you know, whatever, whatever format you're, you're uh, experiencing this in. Um, I think I will just flat out like disregard the romance at the center of it. I think, I think there's a lot being said from uh, Leon's perspective instead of Nadia's. Um, And so I think, I can just leave it at that for now um, until we get into further details. But I think, I think everything around him is fascinating. And um, I really, really enjoyed how tight uh, this film was, how much of a journey it, it kind of goes through. Um, and yeah, I, I look forward to kind of talking about this a little bit more Um I think I have a lot of things to say once we kind of get more into spoilers and see how everything kind of shakes out for, um, for I guess Brian. We're just waiting on his opinion of this um, to see if uh, Petzolt is back, baby. Oh, yep. So I, I um, I liked it all right. I don't know. I, 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 uh, I was definitely involved the whole time. It was. This is another one of those times where I was like. Oh man, how am I going to fit this into my life? Okay, I'm going to watch an hour now, and then I'll watch the last 50 minutes tomorrow or whatever. And then instead, I stayed up and watched the whole thing because I was I was pulled through. Um, partially, I was pulled through because I was like, I need to know where this is going and how this character redeems himself or fails to redeem himself. And I think that that's the kind of issue that I have. I think the movie was like B plus for me until like the the final act or whatever you want to call it. And then it it deteriorated a little bit. I just um, <laughs> yes, yeah. Like I, you know, I I was actually very drawn into this because it's there's a lot 
beneath the surface of what these characters are doing um, that you can read into it. And it felt very true to life. And I feel like a kind of schlubby dude who dresses all in black and wants to be a writer and who's miserable at a beach is like my fucking guy. That's like me, man. Like, it's been me my mm, whole oh, damn I life. Oh, I thought of you the whole movie. Robin, that doesn't <laughs> shock me even a little bit. When he... Okay, I will say this for myself. I have never in my life gone to the beach in full pants, sneakers, a long sleeve shirt, and a hooded sweatshirt. And I definitely would not be able to fall asleep like that. I don't know if the Baltic Sea is much more temperate. I could have looked that up, I suppose. But I was like, that's the most batshit fucking insane thing I've ever seen. Um, so I'm not that bad. However, I am precisely like, you know, be surly and upset with everyone because I assume that everyone doesn't actually like me and is having mm -hmm. more fun than me and would rather not have me around. Um, yep. That's you. Yeah. So I, I, I like got it a little bit. But there, there was a point when I was like, dude, Jesus fucking Christ, even I the most suicidally miserable person <laughs> that I know. He says giggling. Would, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you live with it long enough, you learn to find the humor in it. Um, would have found some fun and joy in this at some point. Like, you know, I I understand. But like at the point where the, the girl is saying, hey, do you want to go down and look at the glowing sea? I guess like, I guess my particular level of like, depression and imposter syndrome isn't enough to like stomp down the part of me that's always like let's go on an adventure that could possibly get us killed like that's i'm always up for that so i i did diverge from him a little bit and i i don't know i i i was drawn in i i really enjoyed it for the most part but i do think it stumbles a bit in the landing yeah. um and yeah i mean we'll have to we can't i can't even get into it um but we'll talk about it, and I look forward to talking about it because what's funny is I wanted to say like, oh, because I always love talking about Petzl, and I that's definitely true of Phoenix and Transit. I have no memories of Undina. Um, it's just not that memorable, right? That's the and no, like I love all. the like Selkie myth, you know. Undine is great, you know, but like. I was just like, wow! I like I went to the IMDb page for that. And I was like, oh, the literal character of Undina was played by the actress in this movie? And like, she's a historian? I don't remember that at all. And then I definitely didn't remember the fact that she had to kill her lover if they spurned her. I was like, wow, I have like no recollection of this movie. I know that Franz, someone help me out. The guy's name. The actor? Yeah. Rogowski? Yeah, there we go. Um, is in it. And I love him. He's great. Perfect. Love that guy. Um, but yeah, like that was it. I was like, oh shit, I don't remember anything about this. So I can't even remember if I had fun talking about that or if that was one of those ones where I was like, I don't know, this is just a bummer. Um, but I don't think this one will be a bummer. I think there's enough here to recommend this. Um, I love a fucking tortured ass metaphor and it doesn't get much more awesomely tortured uh, than like, hey, there's this fire that's surrounding us and like, oh, I don't think it's going to get to us, but maybe it will. Uh the sky is red. Um, it's coming from the sea. Don't worry. Yeah, uh, if the winds change. But anyway, yeah, I uh, I really dug it. I I liked it. I don't know. B minus. It's the <laughs> same as Pan. <laughs> wow. I think it's more of a B. I 
you know, this is one of those situations where I think it's legitimately going to depend on how this conversation goes. Because every once in a while we get in one of these, and I, just by talking about it with a couple intelligent people, I'm able to find more to like in it. And I just realized, like, yeah, I'll give it a little more. But at the at the moment, I was just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd, uh, I don't know if I'd recommend I, I can't, someone, I can't I'm help. upset that I saw it. <laughs> I can't help but notice you said a couple and there's three other people uh, on this call. So <laughs> I don't know who you're who you're singling out. My there, fucking but... daughter does this to me all the time because I say a couple to mean, I don't know, anything less than 10 more than. Yeah. And, OK. Gotcha. And my daughter is very specific about it's two. But anyway, <laughs> uh, regardless, I'm not going to change my word <laughs> choice. <laughs> Um, do we want to just go ahead and hop it? I mean, this, this movie is so small, like uh, not small as in like not worth discussion, but it is very short and there isn't a lot of things. I think, Oh no, it's an hour and 42 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's a lot to really be able to discuss except for like the actual, you know, more plot machinations and stuff Uh, like that. It's not really a spoilers kind of movie. You've seen it or you haven't. Yeah. yeah, I don't, you know, it's not like, oh, this action scene was really good. Oh, but at the end, it yeah, turns yeah. out that they were all cyborgs. Like, that's, I feel like the whole of this movie needs to be discussed to talk about it. I mean, I, I, I would agree in a non-spoiler way, like, Schubert is really good in this. Um, I think uh, Langston Ubel is really good in it. I have no thoughts on, you know, Treb's, you know. It's not his fault. I, I that, like though. I like uh, Helmet, the guy that played Helmet, yeah. Matthias Brandt. He was really good. But plus, yeah. I love a man um, named Helmet. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think we're I think we're within our our rights to just hop right into spoilers if we feel like it. We've also been talking for almost forty minutes already, which feels impossible. Yes. Yeah, we have not been talking, talking about, about City Slickers forty minutes. So anyone, anyone, uh, anyone want to say no to jumping into spoilers? Now nah, let's do it. All right, spoilers. We're uh, jumping into the fire. The gay couple dies. I don't. Know. <laughs> oh yeah, that's not super good. Bury your gaze. So I, I, you know, I am aware of the bury your gaze trope. I think that this movie is so. <laughs> casual about the homosexuality that it felt less like that than in movies where it's very like I, I don't even know how to say what I'm saying like it, it, they, they didn't feel like tokenized in a way where it's like oh and they're dead now like they just felt very I don't know it, like it struck me that I mean natural. like <laughs> especially because the first thing that we see the two you know, characters get up to is this sort of weird tussle in the forest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. the, the first thing we learn about the hero is that he has this unspoken, unarticulated desire for contact with other people that he feels uncomfortable about within himself. And mm-hmm. so by, you know, killing the characters that are also unspoken, but also af- unafraid of their own physicality, right. It, reinforces to him the things that he's not doing that the Paula Beer character, you know, is very specifically designed to try to bring him outside of himself. Whereas everybody else just sort of exists to be like, this is what you're not. This is who you are not. Um, and uh, it's, I, 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 I didn't have a problem with it because it was so catastrophic and I felt so sort of, uh, uh, 
I, I felt very moved by the sudden death of these two characters, which were so vivacious. Um, and the idea that this poor son of a bitch is the only person left to sort of eulogize them. Um, and I was sort of waiting for it to reveal itself as more metaphorical than even it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, it was, uh, I, 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 I suppose I walked away feeling like it was a, a well-utilized trope, if nothing else. It was certainly shocking, I think. And I think I think that shock kind of gives us enough. It gives me enough momentum to kind of forgive the film for having him, you know, publish this as the story. It's the breakthrough story. Right. And I like I think to me, it's enough of a shock that I feel like that that's worthy of like him breaking through in a way like him, him snapping out of it um, and and kind of observing his surroundings and stuff like that. So what I guess I struggled with this is like, so two people had to die and some chick had to like smile at him for him to, I don't know, grow a little, like it just seemed like, I feel like I've seen this before. To me, it would almost be like more impactful if it's just like, and then Felix and David got married and then Nadja like went off and had a fine life. And this motherfucker realized that like, this could have been the summer that changed everything, but he was kind of a dick the whole time. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, it's like he, he still gets everything he wants. He is rewarded. I I mean, I, I, I really want to push back against that because I feel like we are really leaning into this kind of fairy tale ending of, of Paula Beer's character, Nadia, like looking at him and smiling like that to me, that does not have to be romantic. That does not have to mean that they get together. She's not like mad at him. Mm, Like I feel like, yeah, I feel like if she had like looked at him and like turned and like walked away and like, so all he's left with is this book, which is apparently good and is like a a possibly meaningful, but ultimately hollow tribute to his friend who he was an asshole to for a long time. And he doesn't, what do you mean? It's hollow. I mean, I, you know, well, this goes into like, do you think this is a good book? Like, I don't think it's a good book, but But I think ultimately the question that you're asking I think that this is the whole thing is that, you know, we're not necessarily meant to take any of this stuff at sort of human face value, but rather Mm. talk about the nature of creation itself. That it isn't that we're watching the worst man in the world get rewarded. It's Petzold putting his writer's block into a completely, you know, uh, uh, objectionable vessel. And wondering what it is that makes somebody like that produce something, you know, worth reading. And, you know, the things that have to go into that. I think that what we're looking at is an externalization of him having run out of avenues for his, for the last 20 years, methodology of coming up with stories and and transcendent moments, you know, trying to be this sort of Germanic Bersonian figure and and realizing that he was out of things to do and so asking yourself okay so what would it take for you to step outside of yourself to create something more emotional and more honest and more that relates to the world around you um and and sort of realizing that this is the kind of thing that people take for granted 
um, I don't know. I, I, I guess because I took it all as much more a symbolic exercise than necessarily a we're watching the real world happen because so much of it felt so patently artificial. Um, and There's so a that fairy tale quality to it. Yeah, as there is for yeah, a lot for, of Petzl. Like all of Petzl, yeah. Yeah, um, and that I was can't say all. That, I haven't seen all of them, but all the ones I have seen have a very. I mean, basically it. everything since uh, uh, the state I'm in has that's kind of, you know, I don't know, slightly gauzy quality. Even the ones that are very painful, um, you know, I would argue something like Yella gets at emotional truths while also admitting that everything you're seeing is is quite you know uh, uh objectively artificial um but that that's that's i think the thing that primed me to 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 overlook my objections to this as a as a matter of course as a social object right now i don't think the petzold is saying if you're a complete piece of shit you'll get rewarded mm-hmm. i think yeah he's 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 trying to unearth something that might bring him to something more profound than he has produced in the last couple of years since ultimately since choosing Paula Beer as his lead actress du jour. So wait, since you say it's like his lead actress du jour, does that mean that you like this more than you like transit? Uh, yes, oh, absolutely. I do. Crazy. Yeah, very much. All right. Um, I remember who the hell was it? Uh, David Neary telling me that he really loved transit, that he thought it was like a punk rock version of Casablanca. And I just didn't get it. I just, it was like, no man, I'm sorry. Sure I wasn't just... thinking of barbed wire. <laughs> I mean, if we may, that is a new metal version. Of uh, that's probably more true. Thank yeah, you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was, you know, I wanted to have that reaction to it. And I think, you know, transit is an okay work. I think it's a fairly accomplished work. But I didn't, I didn't walk out of it. I don't know, uh, feeling what I think he wanted me to feel. Same as I did when I left Barbara. I, I don't know. I need there to be a, a gesture that at least lets me know that he is actively trying to upend the tropes that he has presented um, in a way that is more meaningful than simply, you know, hey, what if this happened? You know, and, and that's 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 I think what he's doing with a fire is that there are so many things at work here <clears throat> between the hidden diagnoses of the of the publisher character and all this that it's like, you know, this is a movie that is desperately trying to shake this person out of their misanthropic stasis um and and to go to extreme lengths to do that i don't think is um out of the question as as a as a you know as a working method because some people don't do that i mean we're in a very selfish age where so much of social media discourse and you know tiktok and all that it's all this co-opting of um the language of self-help to sort of arm people against uh self-critique to basically say you're all wrong i'm awesome i'm doing a great job this is my zodiac sign i'm actually gonna prioritize myself to honor my very that that's exactly what it is i need to remove your toxicity (laughs) yes yeah that's and i think that what this movie ultimately says is not not a like refutation of that stuff i don't think that it's that you know vindictive but i think it's basically like what if we instead used everything that happens around us as a window into who we could be and what we're denying ourselves the opportunity to be. I don't know, Robin, thoughts? See, I don't know, because I think that everybody peripheral to Leon is a tool. Like, 
I Whoa. found. Wow. All right. This is interesting. No, no. I don't mean a tool as in. Uh, oh, like, you know, as in, like an, an instrument. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. It's a tool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Yes. They're an instrument. They're okay. They're a device. <laughs> I need to mute myself for a while while I laugh my way through that misunderstanding. <laughs> just be like, Everyone is just a douche. Everyone's like a total douche nozzle. All these fucking tools. Except for Leon. All he <laughs> wants like, to what? do is write his book and his fucking friend just won't stop swimming like a tool. <laughs> No, but they okay. they really do come across as devices, and that that was that's my main critique of of Nadia is that she seems to exist only as a buttress to Leon, and I find that I find that irritating because we've I have seen this character, you know, in different iterations many many times before. I think you know the classic example is uh, Natalie Portman in Garden State. You know, somebody who exists to pull the depressive out of his funk, like, and and I thought it would subvert the stereotype or the trope, and it never does. Um, you know, it gets a little bit close because then at some point, you know, there's a the twist. You know, sort of two thirds away through the movie is that Nadia's, you know, not just some like rinky dink whatever ice cream sales fucking ice that, cream seller like he's such a fucking asshole that he never once asked her anything about him herself and then he learns at a dinner that she's a she's a literary scholar and that is both deeply humiliating for him because then he realized oh shit i never asked her anything about herself that's embarrassing and then also he realizes that she's not just like a ding dong who read his book and didn't like it. There was actual substance behind her thoughts. And, and the fact that he assumes there's no substance behind her thoughts is like, you know, both classist and sexist, but again, he never has to answer to those flaws. You know, it's okay to have flaws as a protagonist, but it, he's never, it's, it, it's not something that he ever has to confront or she never confronts him for that the worst she ever does is critique a, his book, which, you know, whatever. And B, you know, she basically tells him he's being a jerk because his literary agent obviously has cancer and he just was too self-centered to right. realize even, it. Even I, as a person watching this movie, I was like, nothing that just happened makes sense. Are we going to learn what's going on? Or is this some weird? Well, I mean, when you, thing that I don't understand. And then I was like, you, Oh yeah, he's got cancer. I was like, thank God. All right. That would have driven me nuts. Yeah. I think the, the thing to me is that, you know, the movie makes a little more sense when you realize that it's being told from the perspective of the person who has written this book. And so the selfishness of the main character bleeds its way into narrative projection that he doesn't ask her what she knows because he is the novelist doesn't have to know what that is because he's the person in control of the universe that the whole movie then comes to seem like a projection of his interpretation of the events so and so naturally a self-centered author wouldn't then ask this person those questions because it's still a part of his journey so I it's some sort of kind of metatextual thing i don't yeah. think it is though i see i don't think it is i mean i, I could so, see there maybe being a swimming pool sort of element to this but well I that was what i got out of it is that the minute that all this stuff starts to happen is petzold being like and 
he thought he understood everything that was happening around him and he kept having that upended and yet it mm-hmm. still has to be his perspective of these things because he's the person telling the story and so, so we're only going to get this very myopic understanding of what was going on um and it still doesn't make him look good because it doesn't it sh- it shouldn't because he's still a self-centered piece of shit he just happened to write a good book about mm-hmm. so yeah i i so I think that what we are seeing, and we don't have to get into like a big thing about like what the movie. Oh, is. I think we should. All right. Well, we can. Great. <laughs> Let me kidding. just go grab a drink. Sorry. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so I, the fact that it ends with him saying like, oh, but I changed the names and the places, but they're still talking about Felix as Felix and they're showing the pictures. That makes me think that we don't start to get his book until the very end when the narration starts and the narration is still mm-hmm. talking about the actual reality. So like, I understand the, what you're saying. But reality, it, reality in this context doesn't mean anything because we're only seeing the things that he sees. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a super limited viewpoint. I'm saying it that we are seeing objective truth by, you know, limited perspective following this one man, but I'm, uh, this is not, a a movie literalization of the book because in the book he says he's changed names and locations and stuff. Right. So, like, so this is his interpretation of everything. Right. Which but is so, to say it's nonsense. I don't uh know that I follow. I cause because it is his it's not his interpretation, it's his view. And like it's not being filtered through his narrative lens. It's where our insight into what's happening is just being filtered through his presence in a scene which is but why he's the only presence in a scene that we are ever given anything through yes but that's not an interpretation that's it, it is an interpretation be, no, it would be an interpretation if he took that information and then twisted it in some way i don't think but we don't know that he's not conversion. doing that he's the only yeah. character that we know I, I i think i think i think both perspectives have perfect validity because i i can definitely see where scouts uh coming from and i i definitely think that that's an interesting way to kind of look at it and yeah i i don't know if we are going to be able to solve yes or no i i think i think that's a, a fool's errand at right, this but i think point, there's so. a difference between saying like this story is told through leon's eyes so of course he's not going to ask her anything because he already knows everything because he's the author and this is his world Unless you're saying that that's the way that in the immediate moment he is thinking. But how but else to me- tell that story if not from the perspective that he had an opportunity to ask her those questions and he didn't. Right. But I guess I guess what I'm asking is, are you saying that that's what he was thinking in those present tense moments or what he is reflectively thinking in the novel, which is now what we're seeing? I think they're the, I think they're one and the same. Interesting. Okay. Because I think in one, he's just actively like a self-involved prick. And in the other, he is now in in, like reinterpreted his own actions in order to give himself honestly like a worse personality in the course of the narrative. So I think that there's I think that there's a difference there that is. Well, no, because I mean, you think about it this way, right? If you're writing a story and the whole point of the story is. At the moment that this very important thing happened to you, you were a selfish, myopic bastard. And you Mm -hmm. couldn't see past yourself and you couldn't think of anything. 
And then in upon reflection, telling this story again to get all the details about what a huge piece of shit you were, to quote Tim Robinson, um, you know, are you going to then make yourself seem more curious? Are you going to make yourself seem more of a well-adjusted person? Or are you going to preserve intact the idea that you needed to learn these lessons? Right. And I, I, I understand that to an extent, but I think that there is a difference between, again, in like showing that viewpoint and making it an interpretation. And I think in the movie, it's more viewpoint than interpretation. Like it, this is like, he is just this way. And I think there is no reason that it would ever be anything else. Like when he's, when he finds out she's a, a grad student who's studying literature and stuff. And I'm just like, it, it is like a normal human being would ask these very simple, basic questions. He doesn't know what her job is until he like runs into her. And I actually found those those moments where he's like shown to be as self-involved as he seems to be, to be really well observed. And I liked that. They're very like, honest. Yeah, I didn't have yeah, any problem I, with that. But I, I, I view that as the honesty of the movie in showing us this character who, to be completely frank, does not have a lot of redeeming characteristics. But I don't view that as the character himself having a foreknowledge or any kind of self-awareness of his own flaws. I view that as us just seeing those flaws. And I think at the end of the movie, perhaps he has gotten that because she told him, but I don't know that that reinvests what we've seen previously with any sort of greater understanding on his part. I think it's more of a, there's a void of understanding there and it's almost like, now he's got to live with the knowledge that that stupidity of his and that myopia has has robbed him of of a friend and you know a possible relationship. Right, but if that were if none of that were true, what's the point of this character? I'm sorry, I'm not sure that I know what you mean. <laughs> but I mean, like, why invent somebody who's such a pig-headed dipshit? If for no other reason than to tell us the things that this person is getting wrong and the, and the flaws in their perspective. Yes, I. Yeah, yes, I think I, I think I think we might be agreeing now, but I, have no, I actually have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to throw it to Rob. You're down in a rabbit hole. I admit. I admit. We've gone. We've gone. I, very we really far. need to start being like. So on level one, there's Christian Petzl, <laughs> acclaimed writer-director. On level two, right. there is right. the, the active, you know, vacation that Leon is, is on. We've, on we've, level, never had to, we've never had to do this before because in the last two episodes, we've agreed on everything. <laughs> I know. So this is very strange. And now, like, two incredibly cerebral people have created an echo chamber that's making everyone listening to this want let's to not, Let's not. Let's not call ourselves cerebral. No, yeah, I'm going to say Christ. I'm cerebral. Wow. Let's not All right, Leon. Yeah, again, yeah. Not, not even slightly... Fucking, I mean, this, I, I have been in houses full of people like this, feeling like Leon, listening to Nadja fuck David and then Felix fuck David. And uh, is it, should I just call him should David? Should you be talking to your therapist about this or? Yeah, David. Uh, no, most of those We are, are his therapist. Now, so. Oh, are you? Okay. <laughs> no, he, he drowns his therapy in alcohol. Um, no, I'm, 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 I'm self-medicating so now that I make alcohol. <laughs> 
<laughs> you still haven't sent me a bottle of whatever it is you make, by the way. I threw and the now car you're even last further time. away. Um, this fucking shit sucks. What, because I'm smarter than you? I can't get a fucking taste of whiskey? This DM sucks. me your address and I'll see if I can get uh, you one. Thank you very much. I will. All right, cool. Um, <laughs> I think I think one thing, uh, a couple of things. I think, A, the fact that you think him not asking what she does is it, it means that he's clearly not a human being is really wild to me no, because i think that. he like asks literally no questions of her it's weird it's, it's even weird from like a character like writing a character standpoint it's just not normal you never met guys I, like that though? right so this yeah, is where I've, this is I've where met Rob so many people like this because i believe this man exists and it's not weird to me and i i've met that. this man i've met this man one i know this us, man exists i was about to say one of us is about to start screaming i am this man it's not no me, no thank I fucking see, i don't know i still think it's i'm spartacus <laughs> i ask too many questions i get in deep with people listen i will i will scream to the you know to whoever wants to hear that there are people out there that do not ask questions i find them incredibly irritating infuriating and strange I know that people like that exist, but I also feel like if you are sharing a house with somebody, you at least want to like, I don't know, know that you're in a safe situation. It's like, at first I thought this was setting us uh, up for Barbarian. I knew nothing about this movie going in. You just don't in. like strangers being near one another is I think uh, what I'm like. This, this is a very female perspective you're bringing though, Robin. Like like a male does does not ask these questions. Like not usually. He's he like this guy is not worried about his his life at this point. You would He's, think Nadja he, might be more invested in, in asking exactly. more questions though. But I mean like, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. I like I said, like I know people like this. I know there are surly sons bitches who don't care and don't want to ask a question because I mean he his reasons He's are also well going. established. He came there. He's to also going right. through Yes, he's going through a lot at this point, and and that's not to like. Oh, who isn't going through something? Uh, uh, exactly, <laughs> right, right. But that's not the poo poo. The way that he acts, like yes, we can certainly say that he is being an asshole. But his his ability to or inability to take a step back and observe the situation is very like it's it's one oh one. I'm deep in my shit right now. And like my editor is about to come. He, this is my second <laughs> attempt. Like Robin, okay. it's about to arrive. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, no, no, yeah. Your editor is so close. Your yeah. editor needs you to look him in the eyes and this say his tool name is about to come. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. But you know, I think, I think that's, that's it. It, seems fair to me that he is not cognizant of like all of that bullshit going on because well, I mean, he's I mean, just like me, he's deep in it I mean, let me ask you this though robin i mean have you ever met for instance a writer for i'm gonna say out of random indie wire or uh <laughs> you know the guardian who has perhaps made you think that this person doesn't ever actually consider other people's points of view and what no what Never. have you have you ever what? met this person at a film festival perhaps at the 2014 new york film festival sitting next to you and clearly wishing he was sitting somewhere else have you never met a writer who is so wrapped up in their own absolute fucking bullshit that they don't 
they don't consider you. And that, you know, the idea of manufacturing a crisis of confidence and or of identity to this person to get them to understand that there is more to the world than the thing that they are currently writing, like that to me, I don't know. And and sending this to film critics, specifically American film critics, because these are the only people who are watching this movie right now, we got to say. Not like the Germans probably saw it and, you know, had their say, but American film critics are going to be watching this movie. And so making a film that, to me, so puts on blast the conception of the self that American film critics have is ultimately a public service. And I feel like we should have given him a genius grant <laughs> for this. Um, just based on the, the, the sheer staggering volume of male white critics I've met who meet the description of the lead character of this movie. And that's exactly the thing is that it, it it's ugly. It's of course it's grotesque and, and disgusting. And I'm sorry, I just wanted to fly out of the air for the clap there. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's too much. And yet it exists. It's everywhere. These people, they're real there. We hate them, but they're real. And, and they write a lot of our criticism and, if we could live without them, boy, I'd like to hear how. Um, I need to like spend 30 minutes with you after this podcast to see if we're thinking of the same person. <laughs> I'm sure we are, frankly. I'm thinking of two people in particular, possibly three. But regardless. I, there was there was a there was a moment on this uh show when we were when we were discussing Joker, right? Todd not Fields, Phillips's Joker. And I, <laughs> I feel like Joker would be Fields. interesting. Yeah, Todd Fields joke tar. <laughs> Um, and I was like, you know, people were writing about this movie with such like sexual excitement over the idea of someone shooting up a movie theater that it's almost like they wanted it to happen. And someone was like, can I guess which person you're talking about? And I let them do it and I bleeped it out. So go back and listen to that episode and listen to the bleep and see if you can figure out who it was. Um, I think I, I think I know who it was, frankly, but. Well, yeah, you and I will talk. This we'll sucks talk. for everyone listening right now, but Scout and I are going to talk. This is the most gossipy episode. I'm so <laughs> sorry. So much I have years of tea. fucking not giving a shit about this field for so long that it's just built up and now it's all coming out. I do apologize to the audience who has no clue what I'm talking about. Some of you people presumably are just happy to hear talk about a movie. And uh, here I am bringing all my talk about all that kale business into this yeah but i'm loving um, it we'll we'll make it you know what we'll do we'll record a podcast together but we won't release it until we're both dead that's we're not going to do that but <laughs> that sounds like a good idea but robin i mean that's that's my question to you i mean like have you never met anybody who fits the description of the lead character of this movie listen i have met people including people who are sort of fairly close or adjacent to me in my life that right. never asked me any questions um right and i found that irritating I do think the difference is, is that this it this person is literally entering a space that he has never been before. Uh, he, I mean, okay, maybe Bill is right. Maybe this is somewhat gendered in that, you know, man wouldn't care if there's some random woman. And yet it's, it seems just uh, alien. It, it's just it's like he, Alien to the degree of this, you know, Petzl trying to get a point across about who Leon is, as opposed to writing somebody who, you know, exists on planet Earth. Like, I, I get that, you know, every choice is, you know, character creation, and that's the point. It, but it seemed 
too artificial for me. Speaking of artifice, um, it, it was just like narratively convenient that Leon, you know, chooses not to engage at all. Um, as opposed to, I don't know, writing it maybe in a way that was like a little bit more organic. I don't know. I, I think having having been very close to being Leon many times in my life, I think actively pushing away things that you think you are not actually wanted at is totally organic. Like him constantly saying no, I like felt in my bones. And it was literally like, I, it was at the point in the movie where she's like, by the way, the dude I was fucking is fucking your friend now. Would you love to go with me to the ocean to watch it glow together? I was like, okay, that would be the moment at which Brian J. Rowan, classical self-hating introvert, would be like, okay, let's. this is it. Like, I can't ignore this one. Let's just roll with it. And instead, he's like, no. <laughs> but you. do you not th- thus think that such oh a trespass mm-hmm. against classical reality is not the point of the film. Right. And I like it. I like, I liked that. I was fine with that. I, I, right. and I was like, Oh, this guy's like real far gone. And what's fu- You know, I don't know. I'll say it. I'm not afraid. Um, I think that I would like to read club sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> In its well, original form. You've, you've beaten me there. I would, I have no interest. Uh, no, it's I, 134 I like, pages. What's interesting about Club Sandwich is that what we're reading is... Is that it, it's got bread in the middle as well as bread on top of the bottom. <laughs> right? So, like, where is the real ending of the sandwich? Um, so Club Sandwich, though, is about a dude who's, like, in this room with this woman, didn't realize she had a child, has no idea if she's married. And it's just like, right, because he asked no questions and took nothing. Like, he's writing himself and he doesn't even fucking realize it. And that's why that book sucks. And finally, after, unfortunately, like, his friend has to fucking die horribly um, for him to write a better book. Um, Which, you know, is... But that's, but that's, again, you're talking about all of human experience. Right, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying this is unrealistic. No, it's if I'm anything, just, it's too realistic. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I the, the part that I find unrealistic is that these two guys who met like two days ago would choose to die in each other's arms in a fire. I don't know. Like that to me. They were wow, also kind Brian. of falling in love, Brian. Like, they, <laughs> yeah, they were falling wow. in love well it's before beautiful. they fucked. <laughs> but the whole point is it's shorthand. Those people in no time at all found human connection. He can't yep. do it. He right. can't do who, it with it staring him in the face. When the fire finds me in whose, in whose arms in shall When I goulash die. is dripping down his so arms. So much fucking goulash on that guy. And she just kept wiping it off of him. And I was like, dude, she Get wants to bone. <laughs> Yes, of course, but he can't do that because he's not that guy. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, he's very self-involved. He's very up his own ass. Wait, you wouldn't? No, I wouldn't. I don't think he's evil by any means. No, I didn't say evil. I just said a piece of shit. Yeah, Yeah, but like, I don't think he's a piece of shit. I I just don't. I think really such a weird episode. What? What do you mean? No, I'm so confused. He's just a miserable prig. A piece of shit. What's the difference? Because wow. he's, no, because there's a there's a humanity to him. He's incredibly insecure. 
He's um, yeah, like a real piece he's of depressed. Shit. Uh, he, did you just say there's a humanity yes. to a guy that you've been claiming this whole time is an unreal character? No, no, no. What? There's a human like he's he's soul. He, he has a have soul. You. He might like, have you. No, he no. I I think <laughs> Petzold makes choices that make him seem too artificial to be believable as a character but like his soul is there he's obviously mm-hmm. um you know he has low self-esteem he oh that should have been the song that i chose for the beginning of this episode <laughs> no self-esteem <laughs> by the offspring. no don't play that song don't that's overplay uh, at the end no don't do it he you has contrasting qualities to him you know uh-huh. he's not just like a fucking asshole there are you could be an asshole and also be like a decent person or whatever you, you know no, also I, be a piece of shit like well we, I, we're I all no more you know, sloppy can, steaks what i'm saying like there's complexities to every person you could be a fucking jerk in one situation and then yes. you know be a shirt off your back kind of guy in another one like right. I, I, that's the I beauty think, of this character. Or you could be like Felix and literally never have a shirt on your back at all. <laughs> I think one of the things that's well, interesting about this character it specifically to kind of lend towards Robin here is that I I can't remember the last time I saw a character that was a complete and utter asshole and then literally in like timeline order two, three, four minutes later, actually like man up and apologize for the way that he acted and some of the things he said. He, this guy apologizes like three or four times throughout this film. Um, and I'm not going to say that like that wipes the slate clean, but it certainly shows that he has some humanity to He's him. Redemption. He has he, redemptive he qualities. The, he at the very least chooses to believe the way that people tell him that he has affected them. Yes. yes. He, he's so like, oh, that. shit. I I did treat you like a piece of shit. And yes, I was like ribbing David. Dave. Why do I want to say it like it's that? Just e, call so him David. David. I know. <laughs> Which makes it David. sound like I'm Schmidt from New Girl for some reason. <laughs> David? But anyways, yeah, I think I think yes, the way he that he was treated. for growth. He does. And, and observation, right? Like it, do like was I doing that? Yes, I was. You know, and I, I, I was actually really like I don't notice little things like that in most movies, but I was really struck by the fact that he was actually, and I guess that may say something more about uh, other films and the way that they, uh, you know, choose to portray people, where a lot of times they don't apologize; they just move forward, and you know, something something redeems them instead of themselves. Um, and I think this film actually was active in, in showing that, you know which what? I this, actually appreciated. This reminds me of, there was a tweet I saw. Um, you mean an X? No, uh, it was, a tweet. <laughs> oh, Jesus, this no. is way before the, <laughs> the, the transition into X. Um, it was a tweet where someone was complaining about TV writing and they're like, I'm sick and tired of TV shows where like both the characters went to therapy and one of them is like slightly mean. And then they have a conversation about how their dads messed them up. Like, don't do that. Be passive aggressive, flush their birth control. Like, I feel like that is actually zeroed in pretty effectively on a lot of my problems with a lot of modern TV shows. 
especially post Bojack Horseman. Like I had to stop watching the Harley Quinn show at a certain point because I got uh, sick and tired uh, of Harley and Ivy getting together and clearly being in a shitty toxic relationship, but consistently using therapy speak to like re-up the premise. I like just couldn't deal with it anymore. And I started to notice that like a lot of sitcoms and stuff were doing that. And so I appreciated, if nothing else in this movie, that everyone was just very naturally like, why are you being a fucking asshole? And he's like, I don't think I am. I'm sorry. You know what? Whatever. And then he just goes and bees. He, he goes and is a fucking asshole again. He's, he just he's, goes and bees asshole. He just goes and bees an asshole again. Like a real piece of shit. Which That's we all agree point. he is. I'm sorry, what was that, Scout? I don't think he's shit. He's just like, he's a <laughs> sad it, guy that's, that is, you like know, a piece of shit. still learning. I, I think one of the other things that's interesting is that Brian is is suggesting that the way that he says no to everything is this like depressive quality. And so, to me, I don't know. If it's I, depressive. I, I think it actually is um, more guarded and like pre angry at everyone. So so what I think this is, is this is classic fucking uh procrastination this is writer's block this is this is i am nervous about what's about to happen and i need to work i want to work i have to work i have to say no to everything fun and interesting and instead i'm going to sit here and be annoyed by the outside world with all these bugs and then i'm going <laughs> to throw this ball at at the house and like bounce it all over the place by the way, while she is reading his novel, he is doing this. Um, and right. it's a I and, and as soon and as soon as I see that my buddy Leon is coming back, I'm going to run over to my workstation and pretend that I, I've been working this whole time and kind of like almost shame him, but also like make sure that it looks like I'm actually doing something. Like, does, which is he, a great detail. This is, he does great finish the detail. novel though. Like th- there is that. Like I, I'm not going to deny that he is procrastinating, but he does, he does get the novel finished and his published. Well, no, we don't know that he got the novel finished. He yeah, wrote the novel after know. the fucking thing. <laughs> no, no, no that's a different novel though. That's not Club Sandwich. But Club what? Sandwich is done. Club Sandwich is done by the time we get there. No, because he says, like, the, the author says, or not the author, the publisher says, like, did you write it all here? And he's like, no, just, like, the finishing touches that I sent you. Yeah. So he does right. do yeah. some writing. No, but, the, but I, to me, the thing is, the book is done. He's lying to his, his publisher because the book sucks, and he knows it sucks. But uh, I think he already yeah. said that he knows the book sucks because he sent a first draft to his publisher, and he, like, re-upped some of it here. Yeah, I think he's lying about correcting it. That's what he's doing. Well, I mean, he definitely didn't correct it. He probably did more shit in it, but I don't think it fixed anything. No, of course <clears> not. But I think, I think there's a lot that goes on in this Club character's sandwich. mind. And I think us being able to, first of all, Club Sandwich is a really weird, uh, you know, but whatever. Um, but just of course saying, hearing German and then everybody just being like Club Sandwich. Club Sandwich. Is of high Club Sandwich. And it's just Club like, sandwich. what? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, even the Germans know it's a terrible fucking title. <laughs> right. Even, even Paula Beer is like Club that Sandwich. That's the meanest thing anybody's ever said about Germans. <laughs> <laughs> That's the meanest thing anyone's ever said about Germans? <laughs> Wow. The non-political Germans. Um, I, yeah, it, it it is funny though. Jews like, I was watching Jews this movie. West. 
I was watching this movie and I was like, is this how it feels for people who speak other languages when they're watching like a movie and then someone says burrito, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you know, mm. da, 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 burrito, da, 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 da. and here it's like da, 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 so. there's a there's a whole there's a whole tangent in the new Spider-Man movie about that where Spider-Man India talks about how like chai tea is just no tea I've twice. read the article yeah 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 read well, the article because I mean, even even in um well, even okay, an but not everybody has so Bill finish what you were saying well chai and tea <laughs> um, chai is the word for tea. Yes, yeah. but Bill was telling a story, so continue, Bill. Sorry <laughs> for cutting you, you off, Bill. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Robin. Uh, but yeah, it, what else does he mention? He mentions Chai Tea. He also mentions, uh, you know, Spider-Man India. And he's just like, I'm I'm just Spider-Man. You don't have to call me Sp- Spider-Man India. Like, I'm in India. Doesn't it kind of go without saying? And, you know, there's a, there's a couple of other things like that that he kind of, you know, touches on and stuff like that. Um, there's, um... I think, well, like uh, in Barbie, right? Mojo... Uh, dojo, dojo house, house. House. yeah, and he's just like that's that's just house like a bunch of times. What are we doing here? You know, um, what I was there's I a there's an episode that you said he <laughs> there's an episode of coupling the uh, the British TV Cricket. show. What? We there, know what coupling is, but who has actually seen it? I mean, Come I on, have. Man. It's quite really be normal. It's quite funny. Um, but there's an episode where the, they're like talking to people who don't speak English. And so it's told from like different perspectives. And so when the it's when we're here, I think they're Italian, maybe when we're hearing it from the Italian or no, the, the people are from Israel. And when it's from their perspective, listening to the English people, all the English people are speaking Italian to like, give us an insight into what it's like to not understand what they're saying. It was actually a very good, I don't know. British coupling was very good and clever. And I really liked it. Um, Yeah. It's considered good. Why did you have to say British coupling? Because there was like an American coupling that was on for like four episodes before it got canceled. Because it almost sucked. sounds like you don't have to say that. No, I'm going to keep saying <laughs> British coupling. It's Excellent. because I'm not in Britain, so therefore I have to say British coupling. Uh, As we just learned about Spider-Man India, this is literally the opposite of the point he was making. About no, because he was saying they're, they're in India. You can just call me Spider-Man, but I'm not in Britain, so I have to call well, it. So no, you should like just coupling. call it coupling because no American knows about American coupling. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably true. I don't know. Someone out there's got to know what you can remove. Probably. I've done my homework. <laughs> <laughs> I've spoken to America. All right. If there's one thing I happen to be all, one, it's and, the lack uh, of knowledge of the, the panel American of coupling. three here says no. <laughs> Council of three. <laughs> um yeah no so anyway it's weird to hear club sandwich a lot um but yeah i think i think the fact that we can kind of like all add our own our own vision into why he's saying no to all this stuff and we're all like you know no one's saying you're wrong but they're saying yes but also probably this like i think it's interesting that we haven't talked about honestly how he looks physically yeah, I, I wanted to get into that conversation. Yes, yes, yeah. thank you. That is a massive I, part yeah. of it. What do you mean? Well, what? this is sexist. Well, it's very, it's no. Sexist. It's <laughs> It is unusual. It is unusual to um, cast a plus-size man in dramatic roles. Unless a, you're like Philip Seymour Hoffman, you're just, you know, that 
doesn't really exist or you're Jonah Hill and you're always playing the, you know, the clown. So I, I did really appreciate the casting here because it, first of all, it was a great performance. And Mm -hmm. also it spoke a lot. It said a lot without explicitly stating things about his psyche, which I appreciate as a plus size person. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it, it didn't, it, it, it realistically portrayed the reticence that goes along with being, you know, a heavier dude, mm-hmm. <laughs> which not it's, to brag, yeah. but is something I have a little bit of experience with. And he's such Get a good looking guy too. And it oh, was yeah. weird that they portrayed him. Not weird, but like, I understand where his insecurities are coming from. And yet he's not like unattractive. It's not like David is like super gorgeous in comparison, I'm glad just... that we've all agreed to really overpronounce the E in David. <laughs> God damn it. I, I I mean, I think, again, like every... I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine about Tom Tickfer, about Tom Tickfer's sort of um, relationship to art in the 1920s. And I think, to me, it stems from the fact that every German artist henceforth has to have a relationship not necessarily to the Weimar, but to Rainer Werner Fassbender, who, of course, was the poet of the post-Weimar and used all that stuff as texture in his movies. And I think that this gets at a post-Fassbenderian idea of the male. I mean, you think about Franz Biberkopf or Fassbender himself, who was a, a, a heavier fella. Like, it's, you know, I think that this is an honest stock-taking of the American, I'm sorry, the German poet, essentially. The German male the german uh uh, post-war i don't know identity that it it doesn't fit the the boxes that we have for artists and art um and so that was one of a hundred reasons why i i i thought this was a very honest and very interesting film yeah i mean similarly i mean like yeah i don't know there's just i i i enjoy the way that petzl can do things like that can have a character and have this aspect of them and never have to call it out but yeah, simply it's just part of the text. Right. You know, simply through hanging out with him and seeing the way he moves and the way he carries himself, you know, and you never have to have a point where they, they talk about it in any real way. And you also don't have to have a point where he acts. I don't know. Like, I feel like one of the things that has gone along with like the, I don't even know, like acceptance of all various body diversity. I don't know. As we mm-hmm. as we have striven, strived, as we have attempted to place more heavy, fat, whatever you want to call them, people in movies, the problem is that often we try to make them act like fit, attractive, like slim people. I don't know. And or we don't really have patience for their body types in the next place, which is why Rebel Wilson shed all of her weight, which to me was a great yeah. sadness. Right. Um, yeah, like, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Like, this, you know, plus size person is going to act the way we'd expect Alicia Silverstone in the 90s to act. And it's like, okay, that's like, so their their body is there, but their soul, their experience. It's the, it's the same isn't. thing that we do to every single othered element of the soul, the personality or whatever. Or it's, I mean, you look at Barbie. It's, you know, it's, oh, you know, isn't it great that we've done that? And it's like, yeah, in the context of a hugely hegemonized, <laughs> overly capitalist system, sure, yeah. But also, shouldn't we have greater goals for all of us? <laughs> like, not just <laughs> the idea of the people that we left behind in the Barbie narrative. <laughs> like, the whole point is that there there needs to be more to being seen than the ways that we've seen people in the past. 
Mm-hmm. And and again, seeing this dude, you know, acting this way and wearing these clothes while everyone else around him is like constantly going swimming and like running around and riding bikes and yeah, being beautiful nothing. and having sex and being free. Yeah, I mean, like again, not to not to brag, but that's something I have some experience with. I have. Again, been in houses. Yeah, no, by all means, don't brag about that. Because, God, (laughs) I'd hate to hear you brag about that. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, anytime I say not to brag on this podcast, it's almost always followed by something people would never want to think about bragging about. (laughs) That is how irony works. Yeah. Um, But I'm just saying, I don't think I've ever done that when, like, something good has happened to me. Uh, (laughs) That was my my observation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. not to Apologies. brag, my divorce was very painless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say I, I I agree with what you're saying, Brian, and that sometimes, uh, I guess in the name of representation or diversity or whatever, that we that artists tend to plug in fat people where they do not bring some of the tropish qualities that might already exist, or the, the baggage that might already exist for somebody that you know, grew up in a society that did not accept their body, um, which is something I really appreciated about this movie. And I, yeah, so I, I just, I'm reiterating what you're saying mm-hmm. um, because I think that that's really spot on. And also, you know, we are in a, sh- a changing, we, mm, I don't want to say changing society, but we're in a sort of generational space where, you know, fat people are being advertised to, and I am seeing fat people in, you know, Instagram, like clothing ads and things like that. And it, it does feel nice to be, I've th- I'm sure I've talked about the sport, but it feels nice to finally be advertised to like that my, that my dollars matter. And yes, capitalism, whatever, I don't give a fuck. But like, <laughs> my, my point is that I just, it, it is, it is, um, it feels good to be seen as human. And that is that has not always been the case, you know, in in years past. And so, you know, on the one hand, I think maybe Gen Z or Generation Alpha or whatever that you know maybe those fat kids are not growing up with those same stigmas. Maybe they don't feel like there is as much baggage because I see girls all the time walking around with like their chubby bellies coming out of crop tops, and I love it and I find oh. that inspirational. And I bought <laughs> okay. a fucking crop top. I don't get. You want to start? I mean, I would never walk around in a crop top. That's fine. I don't typically expect men to walk around in crop tops anyway. My point is well, that not straight men. Yeah, sure. You're I right. Mean, like, you're right. You're telling I don't, me I don't that Franz doesn't wear one in, in passages. You're right. That was that was uh, heteronormative of me. You, but my point you. is is that it, it. I do like seeing that, and and so maybe you know there'll be a time when. You don't have to write a fat character with, I don't know, baggage or pathos because they have not had as much. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, this is ultimately the thing that we're talking about with regards to the lead character being, again, as we've said, a huge piece of shit Um, (laughs) is normativizing the idea of any kind of a type showing up in a film with all of the things that they need to become more human in the eyes of the audience. Um, I'm right there with you, Robin, that I think that the, the, the strides that everybody makes towards representation are two steps forward, three steps back, because 
they're calling out the differences, and a fire doesn't do that either in his personality or in his body type, which to me is. But that's, I mean, again, it, it to, to, to my mind, it's almost because it's not attempting to be a step forward or a step back. It's just attempting no, it's to be not. Real. It's, it's just it's just exactly right. It's it's, it's yeah. It, I don't see it as like are. a notch in the like I don't know uh, diversity bingo. Yeah, whatever <laughs> in the Rust Belt. Sure. Yeah. What Brian said, like, I don't, I don't see it that way, but it, it's like, Oh, this is, this is something I haven't, I don't often see. That's nice. I can't believe I'm defending a movie that I would, that I felt like didn't even stick the landing. But Why like, else did you invite me on it. here? If not for <laughs> ideological confusion. Could it be just simply that he didn't write this character for Thomas specifically, but instead just wrote a character and then casted the best person for that role? It's possible. It's like Dwayne but Jones in Night of the Living Dead. Always a choice. I don't know. I'm like, looking at the IMDb picture of Thomas Schubert, and I don't know how long ago it was taken, but this is not the same. Three like, months ago. <laughs> okay. Um, Can you explain was what it you really? mean, Brian? It, he's he's thinner in this picture. I, I, don't, I don't know if he's put on weight just in the general course of being alive and growing up, or if he put on weight for this movie. But like, Maybe. Maybe never it was him. written as a Chablino. I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I, a what now? A Chablino. Like a Chablino. What is a Chablino? Like like a little cute like chubby person. I don't. What's know the difference between that and the man we got? No, I'm saying. But no, no, like, we don't know. It could have been Robin written specifically. He read this and it said, "Enter Leon, a Chablino," and Thomas was like, <laughs> "What is like? What Christian, is Lino? I'm willing to put on thirty talk, talk pounds." Talk me through this 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 anagram here. What is Lino in Chablino? It's not. It's just. It just is what like it is. A random Italianism. Yeah, I'm sorry, it Chablino, is what it Chablino. is? Yeah, it, it just, accept it. Yeah, she's saying she's going to get the mob to murder you because you're being an <laughs> asshole. This is, this is a lot, I got to tell but you. But he has room to grow. It, it's funny because I never even watched this film and thought of him. I as never like, even watched. I this never film even watched this film. movie. I <laughs> and thus we I, I down didn't tell you what it was. With <laughs> I I I, I never watched re- for the hundredth time Home Alone two, and I had a blast. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> I I didn't really get that this was like a plus size guy or like I'm not even, to me he just looks like a normal person dude I'm not I I, I'm this not. is why I haven't said plus size I've just said heavy but like if you look at Felix and David <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah. sorry, congratulate yourself but like look Bill you can't you can't watch this movie where you, you know you can't watch it, this movie Bill <laughs> which is why you didn't um no, you can't watch this movie where Leon's like, hey, we're going to have to walk and it's going to be this. And this dude's like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? And then they're carrying their stuff. And Leon's like, I'm just going to put my stuff here. You stay with this stuff. I'm going to run ahead. And then he does. And then Felix is like, I'm going to walk around shirtless all the motherfucking time and be with the beautiful people while you stumble down hills and get borscht on your face and wear long sleeve pa- or long sleeve shirts and pants and multiple layers on a seaside vacation in the summer when there's a fucking wildfire happening and not think that there's something there. Like that's, it's so coded and clear and obvious, but like, yeah, he's, I'm not going to say he's like, I I don't know. Like he's not obese, but he's heavy. Like he's heavier than all the other people in this movie. He is in so many ways divorced from everyone else in this film. And he sees Nadja and she's you know pretty and then he sees you know fit David and she's he's like a muscly 
you know, lean Adonis dude who's banging her every night. And is Felix he is. He's just kind of skinny. Uh, no, I, yeah. think, I don't know. Let me go back and watch the movie and I'll, I'll give he's you. He's got a, broad a shoulders. Yeah, he's got swimmers shoulders. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, broad shoulders. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, th- there's just there's a lot there. I mean, and, you know, I think it could be it could be coded like, oh, well, he's a writer. And like, you know, he even kind of brings up with Leon. No, Felix, like, oh, like I'm a writer. It's not real work. And meanwhile, Felix is like. Oh, I'm trying to get into art school. I'm going to take pictures of people looking at the water. Uh, I first, I, I like, I really did hate his idea. I thought it was, of but of course, because you're Leon. Yeah, I am, <laughs> and he's just like, it's my my study is water. It was given to me. I'm going to do people looking at the the water. Then I'm going to do me looking at the people looking at the water. And then fucking helmet comes in. He's like, well, you know, you should also just take a picture of the water. And I'm just like, oh, Jesus Christ. And it really it's a club did, sandwich. It really did put me in the mind of Leon. It is a club sandwich because there's three layers, um, or three pieces of bread. Um, but and I guess the the photographer is the meat in the sandwich. Then anyway, so it did really put me in the mindset of Leon because I, I sandwich I am there being like Jesus Christ. This is like day one art school nonsense and. He's treating it like it's the coolest thing ever. And everyone else is like, that's a really great idea, Felix. And I'm just like, so Felix gets to be fit and outgoing. But you're getting at my point. You're getting at my point, which is that this author, given his druthers, is describing everyone as more beautiful than he is and being rewarded Mm. for their intellectual bullshit. Yeah, you you might have heard me saying all that and thinking that I was coming to a negative point. I was going to say something very (laughs) positive. I'm sorry. It, it really it put the, when I say it puts you in Leon's head. It's a good thing. Like I have had this friend who, you know, ha- is charming and has all these things and has like a modicum of talent. That sure, Adrian. We've all because, met him. Rest in peace. Uh, no, his name was not Adrian, but yes, rest in peace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. My thing was a joke. Uh, mine is not. <laughs> Once again, not not to brag, but I've known a lot of very talented, very I'm sorry, intelligent people. Not who to themselves. brag about the man who's dead. Yeah, Jesus. It's okay though. Christ. He killed himself, so it's you know. Yeah, um, no, that makes me feel better about this joke <laughs> format that I've embarked on with you. You goddamn fool. <laughs> See, this is why I'm not Leon. In these. This is it's why not I'm not fault. Leon because I'm able to make jokes about this. Um, and Leon, yeah, would that just... guy is as humorless as like a. Just a really tight butthole. He's incredibly like, surly. He rolls his even eyes you a lot. saying that, Robin. Unfortunately, that was very funny. So you're gonna have to pick a different. <laughs> it's just like you know, you ever meet somebody and they've just like never shat in their life. Like you can just like yes, I have. On. That's why. Are you saying that this man is so full of the pieces of shit that he hasn't shat out that perhaps he himself has become one large piece of shit? No, it's just like. <laughs> He's never let go of a stinker <laughs> once in his life. <laughs> Just never. But he's not a piece of shit, and he's it. filled with humanity and shit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, we all contain multitudes. He, whatever. He's got layers, like Sometimes a club sandwich. He's got there like at least three see? layers on in every scene because he is self-conscious about his body. I love that little detail. Yes, there you because go. again, that is me in in a lot of circumstances. Even as I like, thought you I'm making everything you about don't you. Wear the layers, not at the beach, no. But like once the like, I'm still I'm still not gonna like give myself heat stroke because of whatever. 
Mm. I don't think it's that hot. black to the beach, which I, actually attracts more. I, I once wore a three-piece suit to the beach. Was this like for Listen, a wedding? Or I was wear this leather to like... the beach. Like, I get it. I'm just Why? saying black is not. Wait, because helmet helmet also shows up in a suit. Like yeah, but- helmet shows up in a suit and and has the windows down and has like you know the top open and he's not like oh fuck he's well, hot out here helmet- but you know I'm a publisher so I have to wear a suit. I was about to say helmet doesn't dress for the weather. The weather changes for how helmet dresses. Uh, I think go. it gets more fiery than. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's all Helmet's fault. I agree with Bill. Mm, he brought he brought the fire. Yeah, because he came mm. to fucking burn Leon for how shit his book is. What, what a fucking miracle that his pages all managed to stay on the beach. What the fuck? Like, seriously? And did he have them numbered? Hopefully he had them numbered. I'm sure that it's um, written down somewhere and he just, I, th- I thought at that point, computer. I think at that point computer. he was just well, like, yeah, oh, I don't want to be a litter bug on top of being a fucking terrible author. I don't know. He did seem very precious about the fact that like they were blowing away. But then also I was just like, what the fuck? He keeps falling asleep. And then well, his papers do you are everywhere. like to just litter. I don't know. I'd feel no, no, really fucking but, mortified if that happened. To yeah. Me. I, like, especially if someone picks it up, it up and is like, "Ooh, who littered? Ew, club. Is this sandwich. your terrible book? <laughs> is this your terrible I'm club sandwich. I, <laughs> I, I did. I did love that. Uh, when he hands her the the manuscript and she's like, okay, I'll, I'll read it. And he's just like, oh, fuck. This is actually happening like right I, now. I like, love the this fact, is the worst. <laughs> I love the fact that he, when he's like, oh, I don't want you to read it. And he's like, you don't understand. Like I explained a short story to like Felix's mom's maid once. And she <laughs> said it was like schmaltzy and that ruined me. And I was just like, Dude, even even if never compare a woman <laughs> to some friend's mom's maid. Like, don't even bring Why those not? That's what you're saying. That that's who he is. is like, not He's a fucking asshole. Scouts, I agree with thing. you. I know. I appreciate what a fucking realistic piece of shit he is. No, it's not about that. Who Sloppy cares if she's things. a maid or not? Like, I didn't. No, because him making that. that yeah, I didn't really no, like that. That to me was a very classist thing to say. Oh my god, it's the most. Oh, classist I think he's thing classist, but like, yeah, because he's woman not like obviously had the like gay uh, a substantial criticism. Of yeah. course she did, but he can't hear it because he's a fucking idiot. Right, but okay. I think it's if if none he, if, of you have ever been really insecure about like a tiny comment that someone said to you once doesn't make you an asshole. I'm sorry, Robin. You're talking to three film critics. Of course we have. Of yeah. course we have. Every goddamn Robin, day of our lives. What about me makes you think that fucking anything rolls off my back like water off a duck? I have never thought about you. That's not See? true. <laughs> you told me you thought about me a lot during this movie Hello, on we this go. very podcast. Ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, my, I just let's go back. For don't a try second, to don draper me. We I will draper you as much. I don't as think of you at all. That's I, what the money's for. I was about to scream. That's what the money's Dang. for. I was about to scream. That's what the money's for. Anyway, uh, I want to backtrack for a second because one thing that I loved about the outcome of that uh, plot is that she did not try to couch her feelings at all. Like, I thought, you know, when he when she comes up to him and, and she's like, oh, you didn't like it. I thought she was gonna be like, no, 
I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> yes, I thought, no, that, I thought that as well. It's okay, fucking so great. I went through a lot of steps with that whole thing because I thought I was gonna be like, no, I loved it, or like I thought she, but then she's like, it's you no. Know, she said she, this is the thing she even says it's crap. She says you know it's crap, but then yeah, what which I is amazing. Was, what I was expecting was for Helmet to come in and be like, dude, these revisions are fucking lit. You've tightened this shit up. It's gone from mid to based. This is the greatest thing I've ever read. And then for him to be like, hey, Nadja, guess what? My fucking publisher loves it. And she would be like, I know. It's great. I just wanted you to feel that early so we could get it out of the way. So that when he told you it was great, you'd be all like, whoa, it's great. This is wonderful. I was worried That's about nothing. Fu- that's a terrible twist there. I know that would have been awful. And I'm glad it didn't happen. But I was like legitimately like, there's no way that she just walked up to him and was like, you know this fucking sucks. And I was like, <laughs> oh no, she did, because she's fucking sweet as hell. <laughs> yeah, so, it was great. I love that she it. had like no she like no other notes. Just like, look, it's not, it's beyond salvage. Just fuck this. But thing. you know, honestly, if a person said to me that if the person was straight up candid, like I am really insecure you know comments can eat eat away at me you know he's whatever like a highly sensitive person or whatever bullshit that is like if somebody said this to me i would i would at least try a little bit to ease into my critique i mean i would too but that ain't how there's got to be some more like for a but this is why is she's supposed- not a manic pixie dream girl, though. I never she said says, she is. She's just an You ultra- did, though, because you brought no, up Natalie Portman and Garden she's State. not. No, I said she's not a manic pixie dream girl. She's an ultra positive phony bitch. Like, well, there I don't think that's true. She's that phony. phony. She's, she's an extremely phony character in the sense that not, like, I don't think, like, oh, Naja's phony. I'm saying Petzold has created... A phony person, like okay. a, a person we have that to is get better at communicating because everyone, you're like, I'm not saying she as a character is phony. I'm saying the character is phony, which is like right up there with the. They're all tools. <laughs> okay, I I will repeat. Petzold has created a, a woman that is so artificial and so exists only as a as a tool to sculpt the protagonist that she doesn't ring true to me. And also she is not a manic pixie dream girl because there's nothing manic or pixie about, about her, but there is also nothing exactly real or flawed about her either. She's just like an extremely sunny, empathetic person. So then suddenly when she is displaying characteristics that are not exactly sunny or empathetic, you know, either you could say, oh, the, you know, she's um, a complex character, or I could say, actually, that just feels like out of character for this, for this creation, because we don't know enough about her to even understand whether that is within, I know, her sphere of qualities to be that blunt when someone tells you that they are, you know, that they are, they will collapse if you say one, you know, even, slightly critical comment it's just something about it just doesn't ring true to me this is a woman that's like oh my goulash and then it's just like you're a shit writer like that doesn't that doesn't make sense you think people can't be worried I, about i don't goulash, think it's supposed to make sense though people are shit i think that yeah i mean 
Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I I agree with Scout to an effect because, like, we're only seeing her when she's with Leon. I think if we saw we're her... We're only with... seeing everybody when they're... I'm aware me. of that, Scout. That's the whole... <laughs> Stop yelling at me, goddammit! You keep yelling at me! God, <clears throat> fuck! So there's something called a, a compliment sandwich, Robin. I don't know if you've heard of this phrase before. <laughs> but yes, I basically... have. Yeah, so you start with a, a compliment. Because it's a yes. club sandwich. No, no, but th- that's a what she could have done. She could have been like, it was really short. This book sucks. But I look forward to seeing what you do with next. Okay, so this there's just a way of saying things and there's a way of saying things. This isn't your fault, Bill, but that should Dang. be called a criticism sandwich because you don't name a sandwich after the bread. Well, it should also be called a lie. It's a way of A peanut yes. butter sandwich does not have peanut butter bread and peanut butter. You know, it's it's the peanut butters on the inside. So a compliment sandwich should be this fucking novel's trash. No typos. All of your characters sucked. That's what a compliment should be, sandwich should be. It should be. This is the worst shit I've ever read. I can't wait to fuck you. And well, the weather is nice. So what is a sub? Is a sub sandwich? A sub not... is a, a person what in a relationship a who is no, no, no. Sub really sandwich. Interested in... Oh, a sub Nobody sandwich. Says that a sub case, sandwich. You know, That's when two up. dominants decide to share <laughs> one twink. Yes. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> I mean, okay, no but you're assuming that. that twinks are automatically subs. Yeah, you could be a dom twink. Yeah, but is it, is it the sandwich sub sub, sub bread? Right? Is a, is that what sub, I think? That's a, a sub shape. of bread? It's, it's a no. It's not a sub bread. He said a sub of bread. Like the but no, Bill. I said a sub of bread. It. <laughs> God damn it! Okay, okay, Bill, the sub sandwich, much like the the club, club sandwich. sandwich, is the named after its construction, sandwich. not the bread. It, you don't use club bread. You could use white. You could use rye. You could use a spelt. You could use. I sourdough. use white all the time. Right, <laughs> but. A, the, but a submarine sandwich is <laughs> so named because it resembles a submarine, a submarine. in form. Does it? It's yes. fucking long and thick. <laughs> yeah, go on, go on say, say it, Brian. Go on, say it. Say it, Brian. What is the sandwich? It's long, it's thick, Please. it's got a rounded top. There you go. Yeah, no, that's what we wanted to hear. Uh, yeah. All okay. Right. Excellent. That's it. Anyway. Uh, I'm just round on both that. sides. Ah, yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask um, everybody a completely non sequitur here? How does everybody in this podcast feel about Roland Emmerich? I have not. Uh, seen some of them are really I don't good. think of them Most at all. Of his new books. <laughs> That's what the money's for. <laughs> I the last movie I saw from Roland Emmerich, I believe, was 2012. Um, but I have I have tended to like his output. I I don't know what made me think of that, but I'm a big Roland Emmerich fan, so I just wanted to ask you guys. Yeah. That, you know. That's uh, what is that? That's the Patriot, right? Patriot, yeah. Independence Day, Godzilla, which yeah. is Anonymous, he, he had, my good. personal favorite. He, I have not what, seen what is Anonymous. Oh, Anonymous. Oh, Anonymous. Is, like, uh, Anonymous is terrific. That's a great movie. He did what? what? Stonewall. He did Midway. He did. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. Midway's great too. I haven't seen Midway. Um, uh, I haven't seen a lot of his recent movie. efforts. I'm so sorry. Did, I've derailed our conversation to the. Did he make ID two? Have you met our conversation? Did make ID two? I met our conversations. He did make ID two. 
Uh, that good was movie. terrible. No, no, it was, God. It was good. No. Not a good movie. All I heard is R two D two. Did they? R two D two says that Independence Day two is good. R two D two has a better handle on social situations than Leon in this movie. <laughs> that is true. R two D two is an empath. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, R two D two the empath. <laughs> Yeah, if I could whistle, I'd, I'd make some beeps and whistles and boops. I wish you would, Bill. I wish you would. And now <laughs> to continue my robot series of impressions, here's Wally. I can't Wally. Wally. Why? Well, this also is less inept at romance than Leon. Let's just name characters who are less inept at romance than Leon. Uh, uh, Casey Affleck in, in Manchester inept? by the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> who is like your manic pixie dream girl <laughs> now nah, he's good though that's a good movie it's a great um, it's a great movie um yeah i'm much more casey affleck in manchester by the sea than i am leon in a fire which make of that what you will ladies and gentlemen i don't know that i'm up to parsing that uh, <laughs> <of> fire movies <laughs> zing <laughs> That movie should have been named Ladies and gentlemen, Zing. Yeah, no, that's a lot. Why is less inept a challenge? Shouldn't it be more inept? Yeah, fucker. Because less inept means that that person is better at romance, right? Yeah, that should be like anybody. No, no, Bill. But the joke is, then you start naming fucking terrible people. Exactly. Oh no! Wait, I think you might be right. Frank Finley as Hitler is better at romance <laughs> than yeah. Brian you said is... less inept at romance. Less inept. Okay, less but yeah, inept? I less wanna... inept. I... Less inept sounds a little like a hair product that I'm excited to buy. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. Uh, less inept means that they are good at it. But I'm now saying people who are also who are terrible at it, but saying that they're better than Leon. So the joke is to be like Jaws from the movie Jaws was less inept at romance. His name is Bruce, if I if I may. No, yes. there's that scene well, where, where he's like, the I'm Jaws. animatronic was Bruce, wasn't it? So what's yeah, the name of the goddamn the fucking shark, Robin? That's the actor. The character's name is Jaws. Exactly. Bruce yes. played Jaws. Jaws, you liar. <laughs> the actor was Jaws. Was oh, yeah, the actor. What actor? What are you talking about? There's no the actor. Animatronic. The, shark. Ah, the animatronic is Bruce. Yes, the animatronic is Bruce, but he is portraying the character yes. of Jaws. No, he's the shark is broken. I'm going to kill all of you. If you look up the, the shooting script for Jaws, it doesn't it says, say Jaws. It says, no, enter no, Jaws. No, no. Jaws is a 25 no. foot great white shark. Wait, is his Frankly, name Jaws? No. No, it's not Jaws. What are you doing? No. Like Jaws. It's just the shark. <laughs> no, the shark does Jaws. X. If you <laughs> Christ, <laughs> I'm Wait, gonna make it confused. Is the character named Jaws? Like, no, no. no. I know it's not named in the film. Like it's not. This is not. No, but in the script, it isn't called Jaws either. This is not diegetic. But there's but... that scene where Brody goes, oh, my God, look at them jaws. No, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no, but even if he did, like, look at even if he did, he would be talking about something about the shark, not actually yeah. talking about the shark. Right, so, okay, yeah, but, it's like, you know, like, the movie, it's like, like, look at them eyes. Teeth. That doesn't yeah. mean that person Bill, is called them eyes. Them bones, to, them dry bones. Yeah, to yeah, that yeah, extent, yeah. Bill, in the in the Harry Potter series, there is a character named Mad-Eye Moody. Mm-hmm. You can be named after your most obvious body part. 
That is yeah, the but they didn't move that. Heard in my they life. didn't do that. Movie. They did that in case Jaws. Of Jaws. No, they didn't. Fucker. No, so, they really so funny. It would is be his, his actual Jaws Shark. Christ, is, is that his full name? Well, his Christian name is Phineas. <laughs> he doesn't Finn have for a short. Christian name. He doesn't have a name. Period. <laughs> yeah, it's Phineas Arbuckle. Finn for short, if but it's anything, it's Bruce. Bruce. Mighty. All right, let's 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 get fucking Hamilton. We have more to say about a fire, don't we? Like, oh, no, I don't gosh. think so. It's, oh, yeah, it seems burning like we little don't. Piggy. The burning oh, piggy. That that pig. Really sad. sad pig. Didn't like that. I was sad about the the boar. It probably smelled sad so good pig. though. Oh god! I know. Can you oh my god, Robin! Oh, he should have chased it down. You love pork, and you. I bet that pig was so suckling sweet. You know, okay, All so right. we we watched All a right. fire and then we watched Ex- City Slickers and that movie both put cute little farm animals in danger. Well, obviously, Ex- Ex- extra me as quick as you can here. Get me off this fucking pot. <laughs> I had a uh, carnitas sopes before I watched this movie and it made me want uh, more of them. Mm. But then the baby Christ. cow in City Slickers is so cute. Why is that better than the fucking pig in a fire who dies? Uh, Robin, you it's put that. It's not better. You put it's that just baby that one cow. of them smells like pork and the other don't. No, if you put that little baby cow. What's a fucking cow... cow smell like when it's on the goddamn fucking fire? Uh, well, fucking veal. Beef, it's going to be there was incredible. No, there was no cow on fire in City Slickers. Yeah, there because they're liars. Because Billy pig. Crystal is a fucking liar. <laughs> cow on fire is the uh, parody of Well, you know what they say. This is, a, this is an old Navy rule. Cow on fire, funeral pyre. Cow on water. General's daughter. <laughs> Thank you very much by Simon West. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Um, Cow on water, general's daughter. That's good. But you, you know, it was really sad to watch this movie, and and you know, in light of Hawaiian fires, yeah, and and Greece, yeah. No, the world is uh, not doing great. Um, to quote Smash Mouth, my world's on fire. How about yours? Um, That's just well, the way I like it, because I'll never get bored. All right, ma'am. Uh, let's let's just calm down. This sucks. You did. Um, yeah, I did. Hey, I didn't expect you to carry it on to the point that we're at now, where neither of us can seem like serious human beings. You're an all-star. You weren't ever a serious human being. This sucks. I am deeply Despite being so cerebral. Oh, yep. oh, thank you, Robin. <laughs> Cerebral that shit up again. Scout Tafoya. I mean, like that's <sighs> that's what's on your baseball jersey. No, it's just on my like, business card. Just like on Phineas's baseball jersey is Joss. No, no, <laughs> no. You heard uh, it here first, folks. No. <laughs> so, um, what do we think the symbolic meaning behind it being goulash is? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, let's get it's the fuck out of here. Globalization. I don't know. We can't double the runtime of this movie. Here is an actual <laughs> legitimate question. Um, I'm dying to hear it. Do, like, we have not, except for the pig, which made me think of it, we have not yeah. really addressed the fire. Like, what do we, like, is that? You didn't start the fire. It was always been burning since the world been Well, that's burning. true, and the movie does not show us who starts the fire. How but, dare uh, you quote Fallout Boy, Boy does, in fact, come in to scream about, I don't know, Heaven's Gate? Is that is that in their new one? <laughs> I haven't listened to their sure, song, so I don't well, know. What I, they do have oh, my that favorite song is lyric. Genius. My favorite, my favorite lyric of that whole new shit is Shinzo Abe blown away. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe the that song unapologetically. I don't get that all. And you should be ashamed of yourself. So Robin goes. You should apologetically not has like intercourse song. with this song and then refuses to apologize for it. Oh wait. Oh my god. Intercourse okay. with that song. <laughs> Never try to say it's wrong. Um. So here's there the thing. You go. There you go. There, so there's a part Marilyn before we Monroe. get to the fire thing. I have the scout. You might know this, or any of you might know this. Wait. Are you asking scout. a question in front of asking, the question? Just let him ask yes, a question. Bill. Uh, because Hang on, let's see where because he goes. as I was looking at the IMDb, the trailer was going, and it was that scene where David is talk is doing that like insanely long story, right? That ended up being a joke, um, even though it seemed very serious. There yes. is another movie. Where a man is talking about an old woman who comes up to him and says that he looks like a dog of hers that died. And he thinks it's a joke, but she keeps going on about the eyes and the hair. And then she says that the dog was killed like X amount of years ago. And he's like, oh my God, that's when I was born. And then she said, yeah, he was like hit by a car and it like broke his neck or like something. And he's like, and actually I have like the scar on the back of my head and you can feel it. And the person reaches forward to feel it and he barks at them really loudly. And it was a joke. Does anyone remember what movie that's from? I stopped listening hours ago. Robin, that does not shock me even a little bit. It's been driving. It has legitimately been driving me crazy because the whole time I was watching that scene, I'm like, oh, this reminds me of this scene in this movie. Did you Google it? I tried, but I just kept getting, I just kept getting responses for a dog's purpose oh no because i was like movie joke reincarnated as dog and this is why i like strays because it is it is a parody <laughs> oh, jesus of christ movies. interesting um i mean what... i'm not saying it's a great movie i'm just so saying devin like said it. he's got a scars old wood, wood old woman is driving cars north korea south korea Marilyn monroe we didn't start a fire <laughs> Thank you Love for fire. very gradually picking up what I was. It was on Indeed TV. <clears throat> anyway, um, anyway, if anyone listening, maybe like benevolent no Lord Master Jordan Ralph will. No, no people, we've people, lost people, the audience at this point. People Goodbye, much prefer the listeners. Part where we don't talk about the movie. <laughs> um, yeah, if anyone listening knows what I'm talking about, please tell me because it's been driving me nuts. And the worst part is I can't give you any information about the scene. I don't remember if the guy was old. I don't know if he was young. I can't remember if he was talking to, I'm pretty sure he was talking to a woman. I think it was supposed to be charming, but I even can't tell you if it was in English or not. There was a moment where I thought it was Excellent. Michael Fassbender in shame, but I think that I'm thinking about the scene where he was telling the woman that he has like some Cro-Magnon DNA, but I don't know. I'm going to go watch shame. I'll let you know if it was on that. But so yeah, did anyone have an issue with the fire thing? I don't know. To me, it was almost like, what? aside from killing an the issue. gays, it was unnecessary right. that there was the fire. Like it really didn't. It felt like no, the fire in a minority. What is the movie if without like the fire? Movie. What is the movie without the fire? Tell me that. I think it, I think it would all still happen. I think there would just be no fire. <laughs> I don't know. You, okay. Uh, it's just right. there's there is a part Could of me. Could you try that again, this. please, from the scratch? Yeah. Um, so mean? he is he is making no movie without the fire. He is he is making a a trilogy or maybe even four films that are kind of earth wind fire and water. And so this is the second in that. So when's he going to get If you want it if you yeah, uh Captain Planet. Uh if you want to like take fire out of this then there is no more a trilogy so that would be unfortunate. That would be unfortunate. I don't know. I just um it, like in in a movie that we've all kind of I think said like it, like gave us a lot of realism and a lot of like non 
tryhardedness. Um, the fire felt <laughs> oddly, right <laughs> oddly out of place in that way. I mean, wouldn't it just be always inconvenient? Like, how do you how do you make it anything less than what it is? Well, it's a, it's a force thing. of nature that's like that's like inconvenient. That is like, you know, these people are trying to go about their lives. They don't think it's going to be a big deal because the wind comes from the sea. So mm -hmm. they're they should be fine. And then it turns into actually, this might actually be a bad thing and it might actually encroach on us. Um, right. I, I don't know. I, like, I, guess... I, I, I don't, I don't know how you make that either. I don't know how you make that more interesting without this turning into Twister. Oh, well, first of all, that's which we'd I love to, to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, <clears throat> if Christian Petzold made Twister 2, it'd be better than Lee Isaac Chung doing it, who is not a good director. Um, <laughs> Wait, you didn't like Minari? Is that what's what no? Oh, Did anybody no. like Minari? My, yes, I liked I it a lot. Yeah, come on. It. My seven-year-old daughter would love to argue with you. She really liked Minari too. Put her on the show. I'll make her cry. <laughs> I will. Wake Excellent. Her up. <laughs> um, everybody, look forward to next week when uh, come here, daughter. My daughter. <laughs> I must Scout make you cry. Talk about Minari. Team Cora forever. <laughs> what's that? Team Cora. Yeah, Team Cora? Yeah. That's my daughter's name. Oh, no, she's great, I'm sure. I've never met her, but she seems lovely. <laughs> she sucks. <laughs> yeah, she seems like a piece of shit. <laughs> like Leon. No, because she has some humanity in her. You know, she's got a soul. I like Minari. <laughs> uh, like Minari. Compliment sandwich. Love you Minari. are a very small child. Point sandwich. You are a piece a of shit. Point sandwich. Congratulations on being so diminutive. That's quite impressive. Hey, congratulations, Sandwich. She's the second tallest kid in her school. Or not her school. That would be fucking hilarious. Whoa, in her grade. She does not look tall. <laughs> no, she's like not that tall. Kid. No, but all the middle school kids are very <laughs> Jesus, Robin. I was going to say. It, she's it, seven. I can adopting, call her Munchkin if I want. Zing. Adopting the voice of <laughs> a Carson audience circa 1965. How tall is she? <laughs> Um, it's, I, I honestly have no answer to that. I can't think of a good well, enough joke. Well, this sucks. I know, I'm sorry, but I loved the Carson. God, I went um, all out of this way to make this joke work. And I, I don't made, really you, understand you, heights under, like, four foot eight. That's, like, where it cuts off. I'm like, I have no clue. <laughs> well, Stallone tiny. is what? Stallone, Sylvester Stallone's, like, four, three, I think. <laughs> Getting shorter Jesus every Christ. day. What? Yeah, I know, it's, he's not, he's not doing well. But, yeah, that's, that's... You know, the diminutive Sly Stallone. Sly Stallone. Sty. Ew. He's the, the Italian Stallion, but it's not Stallone. Sly Stallone. Wait, okay. So I have a Sly Stallone story, not a real one. Please like, not do. one from Please me. Do. Please do. Please do. Please do. How is this podcast? You can listen. You can close the episode after this story, but I have to Bill, hear you can, all you Stallone can. gossip stories. Yeah, it's not a, a gossip. This is like way secondhand. So I was you reading Janice Dickinson's memoir. And sure. she, had a, she famously had a relationship with him and thought that her daughter was uh, sired by him and, and she wasn't. But either way, they had this, you know, they were together. And she said that after he has sex with her, he goes, ham, bam, slam. He says, sorry, ham, ham, ham bam, slam. Yeah. You know how like it's like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, no, I know. I've, we've all heard the Stallone's song. version is is like a breakfast special ham, at bam, Denny's. Slam. What the fuck? 
<laughs> wham, bam, grand slam, man. Sometimes my husband will go around like the house and be like, him, bam, slam. And you're still married to him. That's very curious <laughs> of you. Why I'm attracted to him. Because he you... likes to cut, slice the loan down to size. Exactly. What's the thing? You also like, don't you both sing like We Love Each Other So Much from Annette? Oh, yeah, from Annette. Yeah. I do love that song. So much. I can't never remember the words is my problem. Like the lyrics are just There are three words. <laughs> there are three words. What do you mean you don't remember? <laughs> I also like that movie starts with a song and I I just can't remember how it begins. I so may like... we start. <laughs> Fucking asshole. So may we start. Asshole. Yeah, sorry, I'm from Pennsylvania. So when I say asshole, ah. it comes out like asshole. And when I, I say David, it comes out like David. <laughs> David asshole. No, I. <laughs> that I asshole club sandwich. <laughs> Listen to me, asshole. I used to have a no. club sandwich. <laughs> no, I'm not German I'm like you. Uh, no. <laughs> club sandwich. Wow, I've never been more insulted than when someone called me German. You should be insulted, fucker. Uh, sorry, I'm so sorry. I don't mean to scream. That is you. not a compliment. Never it's not. It's don't not. Back a, it's, hey, you know, I won't back down. As um, what was the name of that? Tom Petty. Guy Cam G- Gigande doesn't matter. Heartbreaking. Oh yeah, Cam Gigadent. Yeah, he's is he in Don't back down. Don't back down. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about the Tom Petty song. Is that Tom Petty? Good song too. Mad at me. Yeah, Tom Petty did, and I won't back down. Gonna oh, we're back. Hey, yeah. All right, we gotta go. Now we're gonna sing. It's a uh, that time of the How episode. Was the fire, we're... which is like the movie that has like the least amount of humor in it that I've seen in a long time. I thought it was being... funny. I don't know. I mean, uh, did you see how much fucking goulash was on that asshole guy? of a movie? <laughs> I'm sorry, did you just a fine. clenched asshole of a it's movie? a clenched asshole of a movie, which is fine. I don't, I don't know that I agree. <laughs> And from that clenched asshole emerges the piece of shit that is Leon. <laughs> All right, sir, don't do this to me. I came on your show uh, begrudgingly, and now you're making me regret it. Oh, begrudgingly. Excuse me, what? I didn't realize that Robin had to like put so much force and effort behind getting you on here. She didn't. She emailed me once, and I said yes. Like, within about three <laughs> seconds. I was going to say, I'm that much of a whore that I don't give a shit, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, Let's get the fuck out of here. But now it's now yeah. it's gonna be. This is why you're like gone for three years at a time because you're gonna leave because and you're like, I'm I fucking a huge can't. asshole. Yeah, yeah, of course. You're gonna be like, uh, I can't go back on that fucking show. And then three years well, later, you're gonna be like, No, just, I think that was fun. I'm not gonna uh, yeah. re-listen to see if there it was you go. A just know that it's you, Brian, and nobody else. It's just you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if we liked or didn't like this movie. I can't. Who I know. Cares? I can't tell. I. I <laughs> Uh, again, I liked the movie. I think that the ending is a little like for I don't know. Like I we what's funny is I said that and I feel like we never really got into that. like what my issues were with it because we it's a very rich movie. There's a lot to enjoy. I just feel like that ending was almost a little too uh, a little too neat. Uh Michael yeah. Snyder, By all means, make your disdain more felt. No, it's I'm my patch. disdain my disdain is towards the fact that I'm saying something Michael Snydell used to say, which is that it was too neat. Because I love neat endings. I love things like that. But there is I something Snydell about, is one of my best friends in the world. He texts me every day. Oh that's Do you know cute. that? Do you like share your wordle scores and like Yeah, we we talk to each other about everything. I love that's Snydell. Awesome. 
Yeah, Snydell's great. Uh, come back on the pod, Snydell. Um, that won't be happening, but uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you're like, I'm his agent. Wow, you he know a lot more than that. I do. I, listen, I love him dearly. I know everything about him. <laughs> very confused. Sorry. Um, what was I going to say? A very yeah. gossipy episode. Super very gossipy. gossipy. You, know how, you know how much you hate it when people say we'll talk about that off mic? That's been like half of this episode. Um, it's, yeah, it's true. When we hang <laughs> up, we're going to keep talking for like another half an hour. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, there was there was something about the ending. And also, it might just have to do with, I've read a couple books recently that have been like, and that Oh, did you story, read a couple books? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I know I told you I'd never tell you when I read ever again, I but I like need to talk about it. I feel negging slash flirting. I mean, you know, maybe. Um <laughs> I've read a couple books recently that have been like the the last chapters. Like I closed my computer. What you just read was what I wrote. Uh, and I'm like, oh Jesus fucking Christ, seriously. So I think I am getting a little tired of that trope. So I mm-hmm. think honestly, I just reacted poorly to the the voiceover coming in. It felt more constructed and more artificial than what I had seen previously. And I think it broke tone in a way that while it makes sense because it is like his way of dealing with things and it shows the growth that he's gone through. I just didn't like in an aesthetic and formal way, but that's the growth of exploiting the death of his best friend. Look, you're a writer. You exploit the death of your best friend. Do you know how many fucking people I've killed in novels and short stories? Because of my friends being dead. Literally, the novel that I'm writing now, I it opens with a suicide. And the entire novel is just the main character dealing with the aftermath of that suicide. And realizing Ryan, that I it's irreparably to... ruined them. But I did Robin, turn my best friend slash other friends who've done it all into one single like female romantic companion. So there is that. <laughs> so have fun with that, future biographers. What were you going to say, Scout? <laughs> I well, you took the words right out of my mouth for meatloaf. Um, I uh, Robin, I hate to agree with him, but he, he's right that when trauma happens to you, you really have no choice but to just sort of... <laughs> somebody's mansplaining trauma to me. This is great. This is wonderful. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> first of I, all, how dare you assume his gender without asking first? That's true. Are you a he him? Even if he is a he him, he could still be a woman. What? I don't make the rules. I just we gotta get the fuck out of here now. Them. What the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> All right, this sucks. All right, good night. Anyway, um, yeah. So that's it. Uh, I don't know. Does anyone have any final things to say? Nope. Robin, Bill. What happened, to Bill? Oh shit! Did we lose Bill? Good night, Bill. Bill. Bill, you're on mute. If you're trying to talk to us. All right. Interesting. I think maybe Bill finally did the thing that we're always wondering if he's going to do, which is, oh, wait, nope, there's a chat. Hold on. I'm going to have to leave shortly, he said, four minutes ago. <laughs> Sorry, you all right? that one. What the hell was that? <laughs> all right. Well, Bill might be either muted or dead or fall asleep at his desk. So who knows? But I'm going to assume that means he has nothing else to say. So that's it for today's episode. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed listening to us talk about a fire, uh, also known as Rotter Himmel or Red Sky um, from Christian Petzl, uh, a director and writer who always gives us really great uh, podcasts. So that's cool. Uh, Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? 
I don't know, Brian. What are we talking uh, about? We're actually going on hiatus. Uh, I have some stuff happening in my life that's going to require some rejiggering of schedules. And so after talking with our benevolent Lord and Master, Jordan Raup, we have decided that the doldrums of the end of summer is a perfect time to take a hiatus so that rather than me having to try to figure out when I'm going to see strays or some other August nonsense. Passages, uh, acidges, acidges. Did you say acidges? Passages. Okay. Uh, I know passages looks looks interesting. It's got it's got Franz in it. It's got Adele in it. It's got Ben in it. I'm not going to say any last names. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, but like I don't know when I'm going to be able to get out to see that. You don't mm-hmm. get to learn why. It's not a sexy, cool reason. It's just annoying. So we're going on hiatus. Uh, we'll be back. Don't worry. Uh, at the very least, we'll be back in time to talk about Killers of the Flower Moon. If not before that, hopefully we can get back before that. But otherwise... Yeah, before. We have dumb money to see. Dumb money? It's the um, GameStop like, hedge fund oh, movie. No, no, <laughs> no. It's got America Ferreira and Dane DeHaan in it? And Be normal. Shailene Woodley? No. This More is- from Paul Dano. Yeah, all right. And, and Vincent D'Onofrio? No, all right. You know what? No, we're not watching this. Um... <laughs> I'm so, you can watch it. Mm. Oh, God, don't pout. Um. Anyway, so that's that's what's coming. Up. That's what's happening. Um. So yeah. Uh. Follow us on Twitter to learn more or become patrons, and then uh, you can talk to us in the Slack channel. Odds are I'll still be able to shout in there because that doesn't actually take any time. Um. But yeah. Uh. Don't miss us. We'll be back, and it'll be just as awesome as all the other times that we've been here. Uh. So yeah. Hopefully. This isn't too much of a national trauma. Um, if anyone needs to talk, reach out. There's always hope. Uh, <laughs> the Film State Show will be back. Um, other than that, yeah, uh, it seems like Bill still isn't back. So don't forget to follow Bill <laughs> online at CableBFG and mixing it up in the Slack channel. Um, other than that, let's uh, let's give the rest of the people our plugs. So Scout, where can people who are interested in hearing more of your musings on... Uh, movies more of your cerebral thoughts uh yeah my famously cerebral thoughts uh i'm at patreon.com slash honors zombie honors zombie um you can go there for all of my stuff i'm in the middle of a uh video essay series on spielberg you can see uh advanced copy before it goes to my series on rogerebert.com the unloved and uh just i i write two written reviews a week for movies um um, there's a lot of stuff there, so just uh, just do that if you're interested. Um, yeah, thank you very much, and uh, yeah, you're very welcome, Robin Barr. I uh, can. Mm, am I even on Twitter anymore? Is Twitter <laughs> even existing? Yeah, honestly, that's the thing. Is like, well, it does exist, <laughs> but who gives a shit? Because it's going to be gone soon. Yeah, I'm at Robin Barr wherever the hell I'll end up. And you can sometimes find my writing at the Hollywood Reporter. I'm on Blue Sky and Threads and legitimately have not opened to them in like two and a half weeks. So I'm sure your life has not changed too much. It hasn't. I mean, <laughs> I, I was actually thinking today in church. This lets you know how into the homily I was. Um, there are going to be so many articles written about how fucking, like, fucking idiotic the Threads launch was. Like... It's just like such a colossal failure that it's it's like 
people should be put with their heads on pikes for how poorly that was handled. It's just incredible, incredible lack of any kind of awareness of what people actually want. But anyway, um, as for myself, you can find uh, me on all the places that I am, even if I'm not active on them, at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, you can follow uh, thefilmstage.com uh, or just go to thefilmstage.com in order to read things that I've written previously and to uh, listen to every episode of this podcast. There are well over 500 of them, I think, at this point. Um, so if you're all like, oh my God, they're going to be gone. What am I going to do? Shut the fuck up. You've got a backlog. Work through it. We'll be back soon. Um, and of course, you can find uh, out more about the whiskey that I haven't sent Scout yet at inkwellwhiskey.com. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time. In the-